Hey there, Steven. This is Inyash. Hey, Inyash. This is Steven. Steven, I have a couple things I want to start the show off with before we get into the meat of things. Uh, the first one being just like a general question. Does my voice sound different to you? Not in particular. Why do you ask? Okay, because it feels different to me. I have uh, the Invisalign teeth aligners in my mouth for the first time. They arrived today. Oh, neat. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, a few months from now, I will have teeth that don't suck anymore. And uh, it just feels like there's something in my mouth all the time. So it feels like I'm talking a little different. This is uh, for straightening or whitening? Straightening. I literally never noticed an issue. So I haven't examined your teeth that closely, but if it makes (laughs) you feel happy, I'm letting you know they don't look janky from across the room. Yeah, it's something I've been insecure about my entire life. And now that I have some money, I was like, hey, let's fucking do this thing. Nice. Well, good. I I am, you know, uh, well, okay, I guess. It's very clear at this point that I am not feeling as articulate as I had hoped I would be for our first real episode. It's been a long couple of work days, which is great. It's it's been a it's been good and productive. I've been having uh, I feel like a kick ass time with it. But I have not been sleeping the last well the last couple of nights, and I feel worn out. But I will I'll perform as well as I can. Okay. Um, I know the feeling of being worn out, and it sucks. Yeah, like one one bad night of sleep, I can muscle through, but two in a row, I just feel drained. But uh, what was I going to say about, oh, I guess, yeah. I mean, you know, whatever it is, like, uh, if it's an easy thing to fix. And I think, I can't remember if I gave this on another podcast or not, but like my old car uh, that my brother has now, <laughs> I drove it for seven years. I don't know how many of those years the heat didn't really work on it. Like if it was 30, you know, if it was just freezing, it could warm the car up enough to be bearable. But if it was like single digits, you, you, you could never get the wind chills to defrost. Like you still see your breath 40 minutes later. And I just had a lot of cold winters in that thing. And my brother observed a problem and was like, you know what? I wonder if this has an easy solution. And $20 <laughs> and five minutes later, and he fixed it. <laughs> oh and my God. So like, I, I'm stoked for him. I feel silly for all the freezing winters that I had in that car. But yeah. like what's it's. This is just uh, like a meta level. This is almost gamifying life of just like looking for easy exploits that like I've been I've had this thought in the back of my head for over 10 years of like what problem am I 20 minutes or $20 and five minutes away from solving. Mm-hmm. I remember like when I got an Xbox 360, I was playing Skyrim, which actually is relevant. So ta-da. Um, and uh I thought that like it came with the five colored cords as opposed to three of the old ones, you know, like the red, white, and yellow. Uh-huh. And so I was like, oh, this must be HD. And months later, you know, a hundred hours of Skyrim later, someone's like, no, actually you'd need an HDMI cable. And I'm like, wait, what? And I noticed a huge difference immediately for $20 and two seconds worth of work. Right. So okay. I don't know what else I'm, I'm that close to fixing. Cause I don't know what, you know, if I haven't identified a problem, then I don't know what do I do about it? So I try to have like, I'm trying to train a flag in my head that goes off whenever I'm like, God, that's annoying. Um, Cause well, at, at least, least that's one way to look for it. Yeah. At least some things are easier than others. Like you, you knew that the heat was an issue in your car. And if you would have just spent some time Googling that, you could have probably figured that out. Yeah. But that's the thing is it didn't even occur to me for years to Google broken heat in car probable causes. Um, so like I, I, I'm trying to train the habit of, you know, noticing clues everywhere and exploiting opportunities I'm trying to <laughs> shoehorn this in. Yes. <laughs> trying to uh, find the clues wherever they may lie. That's right. Did you, you said a couple of, 
you said a couple of meta things. Was there anything else before we got going? Yeah, there was one other thing. Uh, we recorded our initial uh, intro episode on Tuesday of last week. And then on Wednesday, about 24 hours later, I got a text from one Steven Zuber <laughs> that says, I'll save my full rage for the episode, but I hate that I agreed to do this podcast. Yeah. Steven, why have I ruined your life? Bad decision to do this. Um, so this is actually, this will come up a bit at length later, but basically I became annoyed because I finished reading. I finished the assigned reading in, I don't know, 30 minutes. And then I'm like, I got to sit on this for a week. Um, and then like crawled through it again over the last few days to like try and kind of refresh it. And I, I didn't really take notes the first time either, or even highlight anything, which I realized I can do on my phone. Cause I'm so used to reading with my ears. It's interesting from, from this side of the, who's read this before position. Um, it's like, I, I'm somewhat sympathetic to like very easily losing track of, you know, details. So, you know, people would chide, uh, uncharitable people would chide somebody for reading comprehension, but it's like, no, I read that, you know, in the course of 30 minutes a week ago. And like, I think certainly in the, in the later episodes and definitely during Metropolitan Man, he would like reread stuff at least twice, but like, it's, it's hard to uh, keep everything in mind. Like on my second reread, I didn't get back to the point where whatever his name was, I think it's June. Um, okay. Yeah. But like I could have gotten that wrong, and it's not because I can't read; it's because I read it a week ago, and they say it once. So, but you know, little things like that. So, so it's, it's I'm I'm uh, since this you know story apparently gets more meta. I'm meta thinking about a lot of things, like about the the show of it as well. So, okay, if you uh, yeah, I was thinking originally I'd been planning on doing two, sometimes three chapters a week. But if you're like really frustrated at, at that slow pace, we can easily do three chapters a week and, you know, four sometimes and do this in like a year and a few months. I, I, it's not, I don't want it to adjust because of like my frustration of like, you know, being uh, um, in suspense. That wouldn't be a good reason, right? Like it, if, if we find that like the, the weird thing of I'm having difficulty, like keeping the, like energy of it alive for six and a half days. Cause I finished reading it tomorrow at lunch. Like if that continues to be a problem, maybe we add more, but we'll see. Um, I do. I mean, like I love that. Like the suspense is a, is a love is a painful or whatever, a delightful torture. Right. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong. I hated every time WandaVision showed, uh, um, what, what was it? Uh, please stand by. I think please stand by. Yeah. But it's like, Oh no, fuck. Yeah. That was awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like the really cool thing about network television or television that re- uh, releases on a schedule like that, instead of just one big binge is that you do have that week to like talk with other people and theorize and have all that fun that you had between episodes, which you can't do when binges are dropped. Yeah, it's great. I, I have a coworker who's watching it. I don't know if she's done with it yet or not, but like, you know, comparing that to like when stranger things would come out or something. And it's like, well, it dropped Friday. I got to watch it all this weekend if I'm going to talk about it with my coworkers on Monday. Yeah. And that's that's a different kind of experience. The week-to-week stuff is awesome. So don't get me wrong. Loving the suspense and hating it and hating you, but I'm loving it. <laughs> um, Excellent. I think, I can't remember how many texts this was in, but I just copied and pasted the last one. I said, okay, I'll stop live tweeting this shit to you, but fuck me. I'm like six pages in on iPhone pages, whatever that means. And I'm having a great time. Oh, I can already tell I'm going to be pissed that I have to, that I can't just read this all at once. Yeah. Yes. There's at least one person in the uh, in our Discord who's like, "Well, guess I'm blasting ahead of the uh, the show." <laughs> I can I I sympathize. Yeah.
All right. All should right. we get into the show proper then? Yes. Uh, this is part of the show proper, but it's not part of the content of the show yet. So I'm going to put together, and we'll attach this to every show note episode, a like Google Doc spreadsheet of what I'm going to call, and I'll probably open each chapter. We'll see how this does like on an episode thing, if I remember to do this or if it just comes out. But I'm going to call it my everything is a clue section. Because I, I'm not buying this. Not everything is a clue nonsense. And <laughs> it's it's uh, actually true that not everything is a clue. I mean, you keep saying that, but you look hard enough. Everything is a clue. First clue that I saw uh, on the first read was the word frongle. Like it tickled his brain. I'm like, that's important. And then it turns out to be super important. And then the second read, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. The first like real clue that like, and this the well, this was obvious on the first read too. But it was just like, okay, having no idea what's going on. Um, you, you know, as he's on his ways down, on his way down, before he even starts slowing down from the the fall, he sees the red eyes of of zombies. I'm like, oh, okay, this is not him just being thrown out of a plane. So, so something weirder is happening than merely being teleported to a plane and being thrown out of it. Um, that would be weird enough, but okay, glowing red eyes, something's up here, and that was a clue. So it was all right. Yeah. So let's start at the beginning. He uh, basically we start with him in a plane, like. When I when I imagined it, I imagined like a kind of World War II bomber thing. I don't know. Did you have anything in mind? Um, no, not really. I pictured it on the second reread. It it sounds like exactly like the you know the pre thing of like a uh, PUBG. Yeah. And I think other than like the fact, well, I I don't know what it looks like on the inside of the plane because it's a game, but um, especially his attire is described like PUBG clothing at like low level. So- I haven't actually played PUBG. I, I have seen my roommate play it, so I immediately got the, oh, they're parachuting down into an arena, just like the PUBG games. Uh, you you say that his actual clothing is the same cl- default clothing you start with in PUBG? It was black clothing and a white shirt, right? Uh, or black some, pants and white shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a leather belt, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think okay. that you get a handful of, of starter outfits or something. The version I got was the free one on PlayStation when they were pushing it, and... I think it came with some like bonus clothing items, but that's like, yeah, the default garb, um, super generic, whatever. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming that was an inspiration, but first, you know, it says that he was passing a note during fifth period in English and like yeah, five that, seconds ago, that, that note is clear. Oh wait, five seconds ago, fifth period. You're telling me those aren't related. Come on. <laughs> and obviously the contents of that note are going to be the key to everything. You think? He could have just been passing notes in class. That's just a way to say, you know, five seconds ago, everything was normal like a suburban kid, and now all of a sudden I'm being thrown out of plane. No, no, the the note will, will turn out to be the, the thing that brings this all together at the end. <laughs> okay. I mean, honestly, maybe it will. Like, the end, I have not read yet, so I don't know either. Oh, don't worry. Half, half of my, like, punk, like funk, funky-ass predictions are going to be complete jokes like that. The real oh, ones yeah. that go on the spreadsheet, so... But until okay. then, I'll point at literally everything and say this is the most important thing. I I'm confident. So, mm-hmm. all right. So yeah, he, the our protagonist wakes up, is on a plane, gag balled, chained to his seat and or the, like the floor. Um, and the like, what I like about it that's funny is, and this is kind of a trend with him going through the whole thing. Other than like having the occasional physical reaction at like how much like you know the zombie corpse smells or something. He's being remarkably chill about the whole situation. Now, granted, yeah. I, I tend to, I think, to do pretty well in panic situations where it's like, okay, you can freak out later. Right now, you got you to gotta focus and, and get through this. Um, maybe he's in shock. 
but while he sits there and he's and he's fretting over how to spend his skill points and stuff and i'm thinking okay you know he doesn't seem surprised well he seems surprised he doesn't seem like professor mcgonagall turned into a cat level surprised that he woke up on a plane and was uh thrown out you know hovered slowly to the ground um yeah, achievement like suddenly, unlocked you know like <laughs> suddenly he's he's just been flung out of the plane and instead of like panicking and screaming he's like oh shit how do i live through this you know it was like yeah you're right surprisingly chill i'm not sure i would have that kind of chill if all of a sudden i you know was talking to you doing this podcast and then i blink and i'm on a plane chained up and about to get tossed to the ground yeah but you know no time to panic there's shit going down so um oh also like there's there's the obligatory, like the opening scene from Skyrim, which has been memefied left and right, where your your eyes open and it's like goes from dark to like, you know, fuzzy and then in focus. Oh, good. Or so you're finally awake. Like that's basically how this how the story opens with him on the back of the carriage. Oh, so you're finally awake. Now I can start my monologue of why you're here and what's happening. Yeah. That was, oh, so I guess, yeah, when the guy goes, uh, the the like, I view him as kind of a drill sergeant, but I guess he's not. Maybe he's like a prison warden or something. But he says, like, if you make it to the outpost alive, you can join the host or something. What do you, what, do you have any guesses as to what, like, the host is? Because he, like, it's a capital H host. Yeah, I mean, so it sounds like a place. Um, although host is not what I, like, maybe it's the hub city. Maybe it's, uh, like, the the source you know who knows all that but um yeah i mean i I picture the guy much more like uh like you said the kind of drill sergeant d and um there's like hey where are my highlights there they are um i thought i highlighted what the guy said oh there it is yeah he says rebels traitors murderers dissidents thieves you are the scum that has floated up to the surface a less civilized society would have you put to the sword the moment you were caught we believe in our ideals, strength through adversity, righteousness through struggle. If you survive, you may be, st- or if you survive, you will be stronger for it. Make it to the outpost and a place in the host is waiting for you. Your crime is forgiven. Okay. So in the host doesn't sound like a place. The outpost sounds like a place. Yeah. I also, so I'm going to, I'm going to relate back to oblivion at least five times in this episode, which is the fourth elder scrolls game. Um, traditional of elder scrolls, at least four and five, uh, maybe kind of three it's not clear where where the protagonist was at right before three started uh they were like just traded or maybe they were a slave or something uh maybe they're in prison but the second or the uh whatever oblivion and skyrim both open with you being basically wrongfully imprisoned and or being ready to be tried for a crime that you didn't commit and then uh an opportunity to escape you know reveals itself or whatever um and so this this seems like because this reality seems to be at least partly generated from his imagination that he's played enough video games that have this kind of trope where it's like, yeah, your background literally doesn't matter. And again, his if I think they say it twice that he's from Bumblefuck, Bumblefuck Kansas. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's Just where he's really name. from. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's the name of his actual hometown, which is my way of hearing the daughter saying his he's not from anywhere. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, it's some small town that no one's heard of and no one cares about. Right. It doesn't matter where he's from. He it doesn't matter who he was. Like that. This is you know this is you're you're starting with a fresh character, right? Mm. So when you know you start in prison for a crime you didn't commit, which is you know fun and ambiguous because you get to role play that however you want, right? Um, 
So yeah, um, that's Mike. it for my oblivion digressions for now. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, when he said the host, to me, like immediately when I say see host with a capital H, I think of the heavenly host, which is like you know God's entourage <laughs> of angels. And so you know, I had the whole biblical thing where I'm like, they're they're gonna make him an angel. That that doesn't seem right, but you know, maybe that's just their fancy term for some kind of uh for their army, like they are the army of God or something. Because it struck me very much as one of those, you know, if you survive this trial of adversity, we'll put you in the French Foreign Legion sort of things where you can try to redeem yourself and become a new person in the military, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I. I don't know if I'm doing it right or wrong by like basically not reading into it. This is the like, uh, you know, so in Oblivion, you're in your cell and King Uriel Septum the 14th or whatever comes in voiced by Patrick Stewart. Um, and it turns out that your cell is supposed to have always been kept empty because there's a secret escape in there that the king is going to use. Um, so you just follow him out. But like what you're doing in there doesn't matter. Right. So like kind of what this guy is saying other than saying there's a safe place i'm like okay he's got to get to the place but you know that it's uh for my name for this episode i did hero of kvatch which is the like the given name that the npcs call you because they can't pronounce whatever name you put in so um you save us you save a small town called kvatch and that's what everyone calls you and uh like if they say hey we need you to go here and get the uh it's been a long time since i played this game so there's some important dragon medallion thing. And I'm like, whatever, man, if you say so, and it's a little compass marker shows up and you just go marching off towards it. Right. Or you do what I did and just turn left and find the first town that you, you know, land in and start doing stuff there. Um, but it, it, it's, this is just the, the setup, but yeah, host might be that I, I, I was thinking like hive, like, uh, for, I, I know that's not what they were called, but the, um, the buggers in Ender's game, like, mm. They they were controlled by like a, a single mind. I kind yeah, of picture yeah. the thing too. Okay. Um, yeah. I guess we'll see what happens. Or if that place is real or what you know, what's I I'm not somewhat speculating on anything at that level yet. Yeah. Say before we throw him out of the plane, uh this is like in paragraph four, maybe maybe three. Uh but you uh you had asked me on our initial uh uh intro episode, like, is this ratfic? And I was like, I I guess I don't know how to qualify that. And rereading these first two chapters, like it hit me in the face that it's totally ratfic and here's why. And it like slaps you with it like right at the very beginning, the first few paragraphs. So I wanted to pull this out. He says, um, I had been in English class, so given that I was abruptly transferred into bonds aboard some bare bones airplane, it stood to reason that perhaps others from my class had been too. So he like is looking around the faces of the other people in the plane to see if any of them are his classmates because he sort of like figured, well, I was just teleported here. Maybe my classmates were too. And uh, like that's a very ratfic sort of thing to do, I think. Like right away, he starts out thinking things through and making deductions and trying to, you know, trying to make sense of the situation based on sort of thinky stuff, which I don't think a lot of fiction would have done. Like this, this to me smacks of like, this is ratfic. This is how you write a radish, rational ratfic hero character. Plainly put the character immediately starts thinking. Yeah. Like rather than sitting there panicking or worrying what's going on, uh, our, our, our protagonist starts the story out by thinking and trying to, you know, uh, figure things out 
just like by observing his surroundings and checking things. Like he deduces that they're on an airplane from the rumble and the noise, but it doesn't say that there's windows and he can see clouds or anything. Um, no, no, it's, they're illuminated it's by like a flashing red light. You know, it could have been a tank or whatever, right? But it's like, nope, this feels like a plane. And then, yeah, it's like, okay, I was in class, now I'm here. Are these my classmates? Nope. In fact, they look like, oh, you know what they look like with the mohawks and the all that? I think that's all the hairstyles and shit you can choose in PUBG as well. Um, okay. You know, at the very least, it's the kind of like weird, uh, you know, you, you have to wear your basically regular hair. Maintaining a mohawk is expensive in time and money and whatever hair dye. So like in a video game during character creation, a lot of people go nuts. Um, yeah. So, you know, but these I seem like crafted characters. Yeah, I thought immediately like, you know, Fallout Wastelander types. Exactly. Yeah. The uh, the Raiders. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like if I had been, you know, teleported from a classroom to an airplane, I don't think I would have at all thought to think, hey, maybe I'm not the only one who was teleported and looked around for my classmates. You know, uh, that seems like he's a smarter person than I would have been in that situation. Yeah, I, that, that's I think that's going to be. It's so funny, uh, you know, echoing a lot of the what I imagine Brian was feeling reading all these books with me. But like, you know, if this is the suspension of disbelief part, right? Like if I woke up on a plane started by strangers and being yelled at by some guy in military fatigues or whatever, I would probably piss my pants and like, <laughs> you know, freak out about what's going on. Right. Um, That's why you're not the hero of irrational fiction. <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm just some mook. I would be the guy who gets killed by the guy with the mohawk on the way out of the plane. So <laughs> yeah. like, uh the uh but the, like you're I, the one yelling we can cooperate but see i don't know that i don't know what's going on all right, I, right. so i i i it's but like this is the where i don't mind having like all right you know what because it would be uninteresting to watch him panic for the first three chapters let's just make him you know okay with this right away maybe he'll freak out later but like yeah. let, let's let's just like let's get into it and plus again too there's not really time to freak out um mm-hmm so, you know, he's, he's jumping right into it. Um, and like, he just, he's, he's totally in his head. Like he's falling from the plane to his death. He says, I must have hit terminal velocity fairly quickly, but the perception of speed was greater the closer to the ground I got. I tried to think about why that was mm-hmm. and got as far as wondering whether it had to do with the viewing angle before deciding that I didn't really want to spend the last moments of my life trying to recreate physics knowledge from base principles. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna pull out that quote and say, I hope that's how I go out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I mean it's it's uh that's 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 almost like um you know, Harry's uh like uh, I, I think he has a moment like that. Well, he has a moment where he's falling and thinking about this sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's just kind of like, okay, should I be thinking about that? No, let's let's focus on the problem at hand. But like, it only worked out for him because turns out he didn't need to do anything not to die upon landing. So, um, but yeah, so before that though, the guy in the plane, uh, he like he's shaking his head back and forth to rip out his gag, and then he says, uh, um. Like we're allowed to cooperate. It's easier uh, if it's us against them instead of everyone for themselves. And so I'm wondering, okay, so there's, there's a couple of options. Like either he's played this before and this isn't his first time through it, which is one possibility, or he's the NPC who is explaining to the player character that if you're allowed to, uh, you know, work with, with other people. Um, right. Okay. So like, I, it's not clear to me, uh, like right now I'm kind of under the impression that everybody's NPC. Um, so I, both ways that turns out will be fun. 
Um, but right now I'm getting the impression like, cause everyone, you know, we haven't talked to anybody really yet. There's that, his wet dream shows up later, but like she, we don't get enough out of her. In fact, if anything, she definitely seems like an NPC. Um, the other thing is that like everyone's so, I guess the only other person that he talks to her is so chill about everything. Like there, there's none of this like, Oh my God, you're on that plane too. What the fuck is happening? She's like already in the loop. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe, maybe other people who survived the gauntlet go back to the plane. Um, again, I how didn't really you, burn too much fuel how, about that. Yeah. How do you define NPC in this case? I was wondering, uh, like he was a, like a conscious person that was brought here from not here. Right. Um, to me, an NPC would be the ones who like are here already. So you don't uh, think that anyone who, who was like born in this world could have a conscious experience. That's not necessarily what I mean by NPC. Um, okay. I, I mean like, uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. So th- like there's the, uh, that is worth putting in a, like putting, drawing a attention to that. Um, right now I have no, uh, evidence one way or another. Um, like maybe weak evidence that they're not because this all seems very video gamey and in video games, the other people are, uh, like, you know, part of the game. Um, so like I, yeah, I mean, so, but whether or not that makes them conscious people worthy of consideration is a separate question. Um, okay. Fortunately, in the video games I play, they're not, as far as I know, conscious. And <laughs> yes. There's like that funny comic of like, it's like a hands-drawn Skyrim thing. And it's like the player character saving before, you know, quitting the game. And then like the char- like all the villagers looking all nervously at him. Then he rampages through the village and kills everybody. And then God. like, then since he'd already saved, then when he reloads, they're all not dead because that, you know, killing people has consequences. Mm-hmm. Um. So I hope that these people aren't conscious so far because a lot of them have been eaten to death and killed. Um, okay. I, I so, think, I think I may have, um, I, when I, when I said it was a lit RPG kind of thing, I think I may have overstated how much those things are based on video games. They're like in general, the lit RPG genre, they're like real people in a real world, but the world acts like it, it's laws of physics are based on video game laws, but it doesn't mean that it's literally people in, you know, just a video game simulation kind of thing. Well, unless you're telling me that that they're all conscious people who are 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 there, then I'll take your word for it because you've read it. But well, I mean, uh, I I want you to make your own conclusions as we keep reading in. I just yeah. you know I oh, I yeah, suddenly not... felt like oh my god, I think I may have way too biased him in one opinion direction or the no, other. no. I, I think that you told me this is like a video game, and I'm I've been running with that. But like you didn't have to because it tells me right away like this is a video game. Um, now it could be like you said a video game a universe based on video game rules, which is fine, but. Yeah, right now I'm thinking some of these people are NPCs. Like certainly uh they're not normal people, right? right? Like you don't you don't get teleported to the back of a plane with no context, told you're a criminal and then get thrown out and then like skydive towards somebody and snap their neck. Like that that's not a normal right. thing to do. Um so Well, no, it's not, but you know, he doesn't know the history of the people in the plane. Maybe they were all, you know, like criminals, dissidents and other things in this world and this is how this country punishes their their criminals yeah but then what's he doing here uh that is the great mystery exactly that note that, that is, is the thing we're class. trying to yeah collect clues to to figure out all right so i've got here pink mohawk guy wastes no time in killing the fuck out of someone yes um, and then 
this quote to my left was a vast cloud so close to the ground that it must have been fog. And I just put in a bullet point sus. So that should probably, I mean, that's not really a, I mean, yeah, that's a clue, but that's not a prediction. So like that's something, but that's, that's, that's almost like not fair to call that out. Um, so we got a suspicious cloud and then he lands because magic slows him down and a rune lights up on his right hand and then achievement unlocked down, but not out, which is hilarious. Um, and that is the first sign that we get like something. Okay, so we have the magic on his hand, which is crazy enough if we're thinking about like a real world. But a lot of fantasy novels just have magic as par for the course, right? But then like achievement unlocked is just, you don't see that popping up into your field of vision in real life. <laughs> Wait, other people don't see that? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's, the, yeah, like, you know, we know something weird is going on. Glowing red eyes, magic hands. Um not to mention the mystery of the teleporting plane and all that. But yeah, so then, yeah, we get the clue. Like, by the way, video game stuff, which is tight. Um, you know, it's not clear. And this is one of the fun things that's going to be fun for me to try and figure out with him is like, is this a well-designed video game like I've played before? Or is it a poorly designed video game like I've played before? Or is it some, you know, combination thereof or some whole new thing? Like, do achievements come with their own XP bump? Are they just there for your character sheet to gloat at on your profile for when other people look at what games you play um you know is i mean i mean fuck it is he is he just at the mall playing uh damn it roy oh, oh yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe he's just at the mall playing roy and he's trying to earn a high score um man i'm sure that would be a dissatisfying ending if that's how the story ends huh um, yeah he gets out and some you know drunk old guys drunk like, and you, uncle. Went, you went you went back to the cup you went back to the carpet shop loser this this guy's going off the grid with roy he doesn't have a social security card um so i like this too he here's a a girl crying which because he you know so he 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 articulates this yeah he touches down and he articulates this point later that like when when you play most games you don't get you know just like just stomped right away because that doesn't make for a fun game but he doesn't know if he's playing a well-designed game or if he's playing like a poorly designed game or something like dark souls where like killing you right away is part of the fun um, well he also doesn't know if he's even playing a game necessarily because like all that happened is you were talking with me on a podcast and then suddenly you're being thrown out of plane like you don't know this is a game yet no i mean the achievement unlocked bit and like down the that road would, when- that would give you a clue but still like yeah. Would you assume that you're playing a game just because something like that suddenly field into your popped into your field of vision? Uh, if that was the only thing that happened, probably not. If if a handful of other precursor conditions like this happened, maybe. Um, okay. But who knows, right? I, I was thinking later when he's filling out his character, when he's adding points to his character sheet, he's thinking yes. about, is this a well-designed game? Um, yeah, yeah. And that's the point where he's considering like, okay, it's not a good game to like uh, kill your characters or kill, kill the players right away. Um but I mean, you know, does he have three lives? Does he earn lives? Um, is this like the Jumanji remakes? Is this like, uh, um, I, what, what do you call it? Uh, nightmare mode? Uh, you know, yes. permadeath, right? Is this, is this a permadeath run? Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see all that shakes out. Um, I don't know if we've seen him feel pain yet, but he has felt tired and like can smell stuff. But like, you know, if he were to get hit in the face with a bat would it you know break his jaw and he would you know die of starvation or would it just like make him feel tired 
because uh, he lost HP. Like, right. I, I will have to see him take damage at some point first. Um, but anyway, so he lands. There's zombies, and he hears a hears a girl cry out. And because he is a coward, he gets plus one cowardice. Um, like a All right, now hold on. And Th- do I know. you think he was a coward? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think. Well, I mean, so uh, like in real life it's hard to say what one should do in that situation. Um, yeah. I would like to think I would do more than just run away, but I'm, I might be panicking. You know, I just was thrown out of a plane into a zombie apocalypse, but um, he could have made a distraction. He could have thrown something, but because this is a video game um, or like a video game, uh, you know, you don't run from a damsel in distress. If, if, if somebody says, Hey, can you please hold up a minute? I got an emergency and you just, you know, run on by you get uh, negative honor. Right. Yeah, I, I think this is a darn good indication that he doesn't know it's a video game yet. Because, like, if I'd just been thrown out of plane and survived due to some fucking magic su- suddenly happening, and then I saw, like, a complete stranger being attacked by a horde of zombies, I don't know. Like, if I was unarmed and there was a horde of zombies, I- I'm not sure what I could even <laughs> do. Like, what am I going to do? Run in and drop kick seven zombies? And I, I, I don't blame him for not running to her aid. And... You know, if it was a video game, obviously you go waiting in because whatever, it's a video game. But if you think this is real life and the zombies are going to kill you, I, I, I'm not sure that's that's cowardice necessarily. That's just like not risking your life for someone you've never seen before, like a minute ago. Totally. Yeah, I, I think, you know, defining Unless, or like try, trying to pin down what cowardice is here is probably not worth the time. I think, uh, I mean, I'm not saying like to shut down the conversation. I just mean like uh, it's worth a debate from from uh objective standards right but Mm -hmm. from the or from subjectives whatever from our standards but from the designer's perspective like you just missed an opportunity for a hero point right yeah whatever that clicking is is super audible oh shit i'm sorry i'm putting that aside now Uh, do you think that um i don't know do you think someone should if they were in such a situation like i kind of get the feeling if i saw a girl getting accosted in the street by a number of dudes i would want to like walk up to them and like say hey stop this shit you know whatever maybe i'm calling the police i just it feels like it's different when they're zombies because you can't really (laughs) scare off zombies and you you don't you don't have a chance to fight off zombies as far as i know because they just bite you and then you're fucked yeah i mean you know if some guys beat you up at least you're not dead from it right like i you know the whole thing happens too fast and i think it's just like as he's i think he's he's running not towards the girl when he gets the, the cowardice debuff, which yeah, like he was running away. I don't know if the game is reading his mind, but he might've been running to grab a brick, like to throw the zombies to distract them. Right. Like I, w- I probably wouldn't run in empty handed. I'd grab something, but like whether or not I think I would judge it as cowardice might depend on whether or not I was the girl being eaten by zombies. Um, yeah. That's a damn good point. I, I, I wouldn't really <laughs> care. Uh, in, uh, uh, about how reasonable it seemed for the person if the zombies were closing in on me and so I, I see somebody I'm like hey help and they just run off I'm like you suck <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't care how reasonable that was from your position I'm about to die um, but while he's running away in uh, proud cowardice um, he gets I think a plus one to athleticism and uh, this was a, like an easy to earn but annoying trait in oblivion um, you just get it for jumping and running around like as you do playing the game. So it makes it really hard to grind, but like you get a few early uh, level ups from it. 
Um, I think he gets I, a skill up in 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 athletics just from walking quickly at one point here near the beginning. No, it's in the second chapter. He gets the actual like. Well, oh, he gets a notice. He gets a noticeable perk from it. He gets two athletic uh, bonuses, I think. Um, maybe we should keep track of his character sheet on the notes. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, he doesn't notice an improvement on the first one, and like in Oblivion, it's barely perceptible. But I'm pretty sure it picks up like your resistance to fall damage and your your movement speed. But when he gets a second level up, he's like, "Oh, I do feel like I'm moving a little faster," and I have no idea if that's like fully psychosomatic or not. But um, I mean, if someone told me, by the way, you've got plus one in athleticism, I'd be like, huh, I do feel a little more sure-footed. I think that, <laughs> right. that might, that might be a per- perfectly reasonable reaction. That's how all the, like, you know, these magnets are fixing you and this power band is making you more athletic works, right? Exactly. Um, so he escapes into a, a gas station that isn't quite a gas station. Um, mm-hmm. He notices, like, instead of pumps, there's, like, these obsidian like I picture them like these jutting out from the ground brick things, like a uh, sharp pillars, like um, I don't know what I'm picturing, something from somewhere. And uh, he's like, okay, well, great. This is, I think he says we're not in Kansas anymore, which is funny because he's apparently from Kansas. Um, he goes in, sees frongo legs for sale in a jar or something. And then he sees feet on the ground. So he grabs a, uh, like a, I forget if it was like a, a postcard rack or something. And just got, starts wailing on the. It, luckily, it was a zombie. I got the impression he was swinging before he came around the corner. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he, he probably would have gotten some. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe he'd get a perk actually for attacking another player. Uh, Berserker plus one yeah, to strength. Plus one to strength. Plus one to you know savagery. Who knows what all the random things are? But um, so yeah, he. What I like is that he hit him twice before the head, or twice in the head before the rack partly broke. Then two more times before it fell until it fell apart completely. And I'm like, this is how weapons break in video games. <laughs> like in real life, you know, you hit somebody with a stick enough times, the stick breaks, but you can hit them with the rest of the stick. Mm-hmm. When it says it fell apart completely, I'm like, oh, it just like, it just turned to, you know, st- like small bits in his hand that are too small to hold. Like I picture it as like literally just like shattering like Link's weapons in Breath of the Wild. It's like, yep, I'm done. And it's just little pieces. Now, maybe, maybe that's not how it was, but like, I would think no matter how broke it was after I hit somebody with it. You could still hit them with the, you know, poke them with the rest of it, shove the sharp bits at them or something. But when it says that it fell apart completely, I'm like, oh, it just like it hit its uh, um, yeah, durability it's limit and shattered. Right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. I had not thought of it that way, but yeah, that could be. And it was two and then two. So it seems kind of convenient. It seems uh, like a clue, maybe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so he this was this when he got the critical hit. Uh, that's when he gets the machete. Okay. Well, okay. So he, he does get a machete and he hits the thing with it and like cuts the skull almost in half, right? Or lodges it in the skull anyway. And then it pops up with a symbol, a little, you know, in this UI and his, in his field of vision, critical hit, skill increased one-handed weapons level one. Now, what the fuck does that mean? The critical hit part? Uh, I mean, solid bash to the to the dome i mean i would give bonus xp for a headshot i well because in in rpgs generally every time you make a swing there's some kind of random number generator oh sure yeah yeah like if you're if you're playing D, it's rolling a natural 20 um or well, i mean there's variations but let's go natural 20 um and then you know you do double damage for for that hit and like there i don't there was no dice right it, he just swung and hit him in the head i i'm not sure 
was is dice being rolled? Is there some random number generator somewhere in the universe we can't see it, or is this just like an observation of like he did a really good thing? So it's like popping up in his field of view, and it's like again a psychological freakout thing rather than than it being actually part of the physics of the world that random numbers are generated. I don't know. Like that that stopped me when I ran into that. I I, I didn't think of it in the like number generator way i think because in just a minute he gets like a character sheet that has the luck attribute to it and if you're gonna have that it doesn't make sense to i mean maybe it does i haven't played maybe D character sheets have luck on them but like luck uh like fallout has a, a luck trait um yeah. and it I, I think the description's like the exact same as in that game as it is in this where it's like uh affects everything uh influences no traits and uh uh i forget the exact text but yeah like it doesn't it doesn't add to any of your of your traits but it influences everything um and so you know if, if you do a full luck run and fallout you find that your gun jams less you find more caps in containers um you know you might find that your lock picks last a little longer like little tiny things but they just add up um now, granted, there's some actual math involved there under the hood. But when I saw critical hit here, I'm thinking that, you know, he could have done 20 hits on the arm of the zombie and probably not gotten a critical hit unless one ch- chopped the arm off or something. I'm thinking it was more just like a, um, I'm trying to think of a game where, I mean, so, yeah, I think uh, Fallout again, you get more points, that you do more damage to the headshot. And you, like, uh, Borderlands even gives you, like, critical hit, uh, like, pop-up text, I think, when you hit them in the head. Um, yeah, but in in Borderlands and in a bunch of games like that, every now and then you'll just do more damage with an attack uh, randomly. Like a lot of uh, more morphogers, or that's that's what, anyways. Uh, massively multiplayer online role playing games. A lot of times it's just like you have a straight up what five percent chance to crit or something, and one out of every twenty just does double damage because that's how the RNG goes. Yeah, and the thing about him like cleaving through the skull is like when you play tabletop role playing games. Generally, you're just rolling dice, doing damage. But whenever someone has a critical hit, like the the game stops just for a second, for, so that either the player or the DM can describe like something extra cool that happened. Like it's usually just back and forth, swinging axes and shit. Like if you roll a critical hit and then you do the damage, then you get to say, "I take my skull and like, or take my uh, axe and bury it in his skull, and it goes down through, you know, to his nose or some shit." Like you get, you take a little extra time to to describe it and. And I'm just like I'm. I'm trying to figure out if this is, if this is a description of what he did, or if what he did was based on a random roll somewhere he can't see. I am gonna see if we can get any evidence for that right now by skimming the text. But I forgot he gets he unlocks improvised weapons by using the card rack, and then he gets improvised weapons plus one, yeah. and then so skill again, unlocked seems- one-handed weapons, and then. Uh, so it could all just be, you know, describing what he's doing. Like when you're playing, uh, did you ever play with Bastion? Yes. Wasn't that great when like you're running around and if you accidentally roll off the edge of the, uh, the edge of the world, the narrator will say he decided to see what would be at the edge of the, on the other side <laughs> of the world, but turns out it was just emptiness. So he restarted earlier or, or something it. like that. Like yeah. the narrator was awesome in that because he would narrate what you were doing and it would feel like you were being told a story, but it, it was always just reacting to what you had done. Yeah. Uh, I think like that to 12 out of 10 is Stanley parable, um, mm. which I almost have, I think one of the hardest achievements to get for that game. Cause I played it for 20 minutes, like four and a half years ago. 
if you don't open the game for five years to get an achievement. Well, that's an easy achievement to get. It just takes a lot of patience. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of the most time-consuming ones to get. Anyway. Yes. So this this what happens in the order of the story here with the critical hit doesn't really go either way. So yeah. the machete hit him right in the forehead with my weight entirely behind it. I heard a crack of the skull splitting and then line break, critical hit, skill increase, one-headed level, one-headed weapons plus one level. So I uh, heard a crack of the skull splitting, critical hit, and the machete wedged itself halfway down his face. Um, so that that actually sounds kind of like what you're talking about. Critical hit might have just been like, hey, this was a lucky hit. I, I took it to mean you landed a good hit that earns extra XP, well done. But given how that splits up there, the critical hit happens, then something cool happens. Um, it goes halfway down its face. That's pretty cool. So maybe critical hit is related to cool stuff. I'll keep my eyes open for any more critical hits and see what happens. Um, so in t- instead of the, the eyes fading like a Terminator, uh, the thing just rears its head and goes back for more. And so this is where he's like, hold up, this is fucking bullshit. Like, I just hit it in the head and everyone knows about zombies. That's how you kill them. And so he's like, wait a second, Frongles. Uh, that was a thing I made up for a tabletop I was hosting once. And in that, I made zombies that, oh, yeah, the eyes were a distraction. And you stab them in the heart, poke, and it's dead. Um, And I liked, uh, this was actually really fun, too, where, um, so, like, uh, when he's fighting the zombie, speaking of Ratfic, this is tight. So, like, he's, okay, well, that didn't work. And I think he's, like, holding it at bay, like, with the machete in his head. Oh, do you mind if I read it? Because I have it highlighted right here. Yeah, go for it. He says, so if I were playing a game and literally cleaving someone's head in half didn't kill them, what would I do? Well, that was a sign that the designer was trying to be a clever little shit by subverting the expectations of the player. Come to think of it, I had done that in a D&D session once. A first level dungeon crawl. Splitface was still coming towards me and I was thinking about D&D for some stupid reason. <laughs> what had I done when I'd made the zombies' heads irrelevant? I'd moved their weak point to their heart. That was it. And I'd give them them glowing red eyes just to have some descriptive flair. Holy shit. And that's the big reveal. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And that's when he realizes. I liked before that the realization he has just like the kind of, this is the other rat fake element where he's like, okay, I can't take on all the zombies outside, but if push comes to shove, I need to know how to kill one. And I've got one here in front of me. I need to do some more science on it and see what it takes to bring one down. And then he goes through the thought process of all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I just like the, that, that element is very like, okay, how do I, I need to understand my circumstances and exploit them. Um, I thought that was, uh, that gives it plus one rat fake point for me. So, um, but oh, yeah, there, that, there's other really small that, elements I wanted to bring up from way earlier, actually. Sure. That's just going to attest of Alex, of, of Alexander Wales, always doing tons of research on everything that he writes. So when he's jumping out of the plane, maybe Alexander's already done this, or he just knows from doing what I've done, which is sticking your head out of a window on the highway. Um, when you're going too fast, you can't breathe. And the character describes that as they're jumping out of the plane. So uh, like for Metropolitan Man, he researched the hell out of everything. I think he did a lot of the same thing for this one, as much as he can for an invented universe. Yeah. All right. So he he then, yeah, he realizes like, oh, okay, yeah, let's try for the, uh, the heart shot. And well, not only gets, that, he realizes that this was based off of something that he had written earlier. Right. Which means what exactly? That something has gone through his past life to to alter this world that he's in? Or or is he in a dream? Or like what what does it mean if you realize that the literal world that you're in is based on fantasy stuff you've written before? 
Yeah, so I think there's there's an important distinction there. It's not based on like, well, this happened to me when I was five, right? It's based on this happened in a game I hosted. And so like still his background of like who he was doesn't matter, right? Like it's what it's it's the it's it's like just particularly what game stuff has he done? Um and maybe I guess we do get some of like who he is later on, not actually mattering a bit, but um it's like it's less about him remembering some clue from his childhood, more about like, oh yeah, I played a game like this before. Um, so if anything, this 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 does bolster my like everyone's an NPC thing because you know unless the universes that he's made for the games that he was playing with his friends turned out to be real, um, like just because he talked about them long enough or played them, like and they and in in so doing he instantiated the universes that he invented for the games, then like uh, this one was made out of it actually either way they'd still be npcs right um and by oh, npcs if the universe I just, was instantiated then then they would be real people i yeah so what i i uh, i'm gonna use npc I'll, I'll just say non-sentient if i mean that version of it um, yeah yeah by npc i mean not a not the player character not somebody like if you're playing um PUBG, everyone's a player character right um and they they jump, you know, they, they all, everyone who's jumps out of the plane is, is another person with a controller playing the game. Um, if you're playing oblivion, no one's a player character, but you. Um, so I, you know, sentience aside, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that these are NPCs because when you're playing PUBG, you don't get to write the game first. Um, and, uh, like this game seems to have been, uh, like generated from his imagination, um, which tells me that there probably aren't other people holding the controller playing their characters because where would they have come from at the meta, at the level above this reality? Right. I, well, yes, but like, I mean, I guess that's the question. Like how did they get, how, however this reality got made, how did things that he made up for fun in the past get into it? Oh yeah. That's, that's a, that's an unknown. I'm just saying about the NPC business. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have no speculation on, on all that. I mean, I, you know, it, at this point it's might be too early to speculate as to whether or not there's some insidious dungeon master. Maybe he's the dungeon master or the game, the game master who made this at the, the higher level and he's fucking with himself in some uh, simulation, something or other, or it's some twisted God who wants to fuck with people who imagine twisted universes and torture their friends during D and D all, all that's to the, 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 the possibility space there is too wide for me to to try and grab something out of it so i'm That's just true. thinking We're just in chapter one <laughs> right um yeah. like but yes it is clear and this this obviously will be a huge thing going forward that uh many elements of the game at least are or at least some um i mean again frongles is too specific for it to be like uh you know an occasional random thing it seems like yeah, I mean, he even remembers the the red eyed zombies, the the obsidian blocks outside. Um, it seems like much of this world now is it a hundred percent or is it you know uh, a third? Who knows? But um, some level of it comes from him. Um, and maybe you know, there's and we'll get to it later too. But there's uh, the you know, like I, I forget the the girl's name, his wet dream. Basically, um, I don't get the impression that she was a character in any of his games. He probably would have described her to that level when he's describing an NPC to his friends. Cause he sound like a total fucking creep. So, um, this is something it's not just games he's built. 
It's other parts of things that he's imagined. So it's it's his larger imagination, not just games. Man, you know what I would have done if I was, you know, when I get a minute in his situation, uh, I would have like seriously considered that I was uh, dreaming and I can do this thing. I used to lucid dream more and I rarely lucid dream now, but I do like half lucid dreaming where I'm aware that it's a dream to an extent, to enough of an extent to where I can put my hand out and and summon Mjolnir. And usually it's oh, not nice. as cool as the one in the in the movies. But like, it seems like half of my, or like a third of my random dreams involve video game level violence. Um, and so having so a meal, handy, a meal exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he, he hasn't tried that yet. Fingers crossed he does. And maybe it works. Um, it won't, but how cool would that be? Uh, it, and mine, mine can't shoot lighting or either. Cause again, like when I have the, when I used to have full lucid dreams, I even, I remembered one, I was like flying near my junior high school and I remember because I was like, oh, I'm dreaming. And I just took off like Neo. And then as I was going too fast, I was like, oh, I'm going too fast and I'm going to I'm going to break it. And then I woke up very gently in my bed. Like, oh, cool. I, I had I knew I was waking up as it was happening. It was a really cool experience. Um, so I, I I don't have the, the level of control anymore at all, like where I could shoot lightning and do whatever I wanted. But or, you know, the occasional telekinesis is more common than the, the hammer, too. So um, anyway. Uh, so, so at the see. end of the chapter, he levels up, realizes that he's in a game, and we get a character sheet. Oh, he, or, he orgasmically levels up. It's important. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he levels up when he kills the zombie. He gets he gets another like plus one uh, to one handed weapons, uh, unlocks Rambo, which is tight. Um, and this is I'm assuming going to be an element going forward. Uh, you unlock perks and level up. Super easy, barely an inconvenience for the first couple hours of gameplay, right? Yeah. It's it's forty it's forty five hours in where it takes you an hour to grind to getting destruction from ninety one to ninety two. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I, I did jump ahead. He he orgasms from well he I know I'm being flippant. Uh the amazing sensation of level up happens at the beginning of level or chapter two, not the end of chapter one. Okay. Oh no, wait, sorry, I'm wrong. Yeah, it wasn't it the was the end of one, yeah. On my phone, it's formatted kind of funny, um, but yeah, now I see I was missing it. Um, so yeah, he's he says out loud, did he just level up? Which, talking to the air is now a perfectly reasonable thing to be doing. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, I'd at least be asking, like, can I can I get, can I use one of my, you know, I, I'd be asking, I'd think of something to, to shout outside, right? Um, I'd like to speak to the manager. Uh, mm. um, how do I press pause? <laughs> Again, yeah, yeah. is this Dark Souls where I just have to find a safe place to level up? Where's the hub? You know, how, how do I unlock the fast travel system? Uh, yeah. All that stuff. So yeah, this is where he's like, okay, yeah, I uh, um, I made some of this stuff with, or like some of the stuff is from my imagination. And then he closes his eyes uh, just to like sigh. And then, oh, character sheet. And we get the whole thing here. Um, I like how some of these seem completely pointless and some of them, you know, like he talks and we'll talk about this too, about like dump stats and random things, but like uh, horticulture, livestock, music, um, you know, like I get that music would be useful for like a bard character or maybe for increasing uh, your social traits or something. But like what if he, if he bumps into uh, an NPC down the road and he like whips out his uh, banjo and plays a, a, a well done tune, then they'll like give him 50 coins. Like, so I, I also lo- really like his reasoning when he's deciding how to spend his, uh, his points later on. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Here so, we go. Luck. 
how lucky you are. Influences everything, governs nothing. That's the phrasing. There we go. What did you think about how he decided to spend his points? Uh, perfectly, perfectly rational. I, I mean, like, it's, you know, it seems like leveling up is going to happen a few more times earlier on in the game because that's how games work. And he just leveled up presumably 20 minutes into his adventure. If that, you know, 10 minutes. Um, there will be time later to see how to invest my stuff wisely. For now, I will, uh, you know, solve the problem at hand and dump my dump my traits or dump my skills into the i mean maybe if he had looked more deeply into like every category like maybe just dumping everything into one-handed weapons but again not knowing how things work uh broadly let's see what happens if i just do physical like i got i got zombies to deal with Um, yeah i I I really i felt really torn because i always like to play the characters that are working more on the mental stats um like the long-range sniper maybe do perception stats or or the mental ones so you can use magic because that stuff is always like it's more fun to play really you can you can do a lot more things to just run in and bash people but like i would also be thinking there's there's zombies there's zombies 20 feet away from me i i really don't want to die i'd probably put them in physical in that situation but you know then then when are you not in dangerous situations are you just going to keep beefing yourself up and never get the cool magic because you're scared of dying i don't know no so so what i would do is like i mean so when i play games too i always play mages because it's like a i think it's more fun um depending on how good the combat is but b if i was in skyrim i would want to be the person shooting fireballs at somebody rather than the person up close and personal trying to hit them with a sword because I, it's more dangerous. I could get hurt if I'm within arm's reach. If I can set them on fire from across the room, it's a much better situation to be in. Um, but like like he said, that there's there's always a, a trade-off where like magic can get really strong, but there's a it tends to be a curve. And he hasn't had a pop-up or a dialogue box yet saying, make this gesture to, to shoot fire, right? Um, yeah. He doesn't know if he has any MP or if that's even been unlocked yet. Like... So right now let's let's uh let's do physical uh traits because you know even even if you're playing a pure mage like being able to carry more weight or something could come in handy. Um but then then what you do when you're like uh I mean assuming there's never a slowdown in danger then I guess you just keep pumping your stats wherever you can in the few seconds of breathing room you have but like the garage he ends up in later uh you know he's he, he, there there'll be moments of downtime so what you do is next level up you just hold on to your points for a little while. Um I've done I've done playthroughs of games where I hold on to them for ages and then spend them all at once for fun. Um, okay. Like I played Oblivion. I mean, that's a easier bunch. to do in a game where you know that you won't die if you actually die. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm not I'm not advising like that that he do that right, right in this yeah. in this in this circumstance. But it might be reasonable if he gets a level up in you know, the next chapter to not spend his points right away until maybe he's, you know, had a chance to do some science with the game. Um, so, so when he puts the points in physical though, like nothing particularly happens, right? He doesn't get stronger or taller as far as we can tell. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't describe it. Uh, like, so, I mean, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't notice, but I think that when he goes out and hits the next zombie, um, like I think he, he breaks a bu- like he goes through the shoulder and collarbone or something in the first hit. Like yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't know if that's a level one physical strength or not. Um, I, I think it's one of those things that, and that's the thing too. Uh, in most of these, like unless you're just 
unless you're playing, uh, you know, Fallout New Vegas on a on a one intelligence run, um, which is really funny because you unlock all kinds of stupid dialogue options that you only get to do because you're stupid. Um, like, unless it's something obvious like that, you don't really notice the difference. Like, it's there, but it's supposed to be subtle, right? Um, it's like, you know, so, so maybe his encumbrance weight is a little higher, but he wouldn't know that right now because he's just carrying the machete. Um, yeah. You know, maybe if he's carrying a backpack later and he dumps another point into endurance or something, he's like, oh, this is so, suddenly no longer so heavy. Certainly, if he's cri- if he's crushed under the weight of the backpack and then he dumps a point into endurance and suddenly he can jog again, then he'll know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you can't fast travel while over encumbered. If he, if he sees that pop up and then dumps, dumps a point into endurance or whatever the equivalent trait was, then that would be evidence of that. Um, I like the, uh, um, oh, I had it a second ago. Um, oh yeah. I think that, uh, when he was, um, uh, there it is. So he's looking at tooltips. He's deciding how to spend his points. Um, he does it into physical again, doesn't get a huge buff, but it might be, it might be too subtle to notice. I'm kind of convinced that his, uh, athletics leap that he noticed after getting level two was partly psychosomatic. Um, like it's, it's not impossible that between level one and level two, you'd notice a big jump, but unless you only go to level 10, in which case this will be a pretty short game. Maybe, um, I'm sort of imagining everything goes to a hundred currently, just given how fast his level ups have been so far. Uh, it could, it could be a really rough scale from, you know, one, two to 10. Um, but I, I'm assuming to go high. So that means that one and two is no difference, uh, right. or basically yeah, no difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that uh, when he's he's thinking about what's going on and he says, OK, um, and I think he pulled up the same quote. Like if I were a game designer uh, and I did consider myself one in a way since I did most of our DMing, then I would have made a zombie like that play started the game start as a way of warning. You cannot depend on your knowledge of other games. And like that, that's sort of like, uh, you know, we, we I think you, we talked about in the, the prelude episodes and level of meta thinking about this. Um, that's a good message of way to put it, right? Uh, like, hey, but, and so first of all, this is the thought he's having. And since the game read his mind to generate itself or whatever, um, maybe that is a very explicit intended message for him. Or it's just a kind of general lesson of like, yeah, okay, if something doesn't make that, you know, makes counterintuitive sense this early on, this is my heads up that things might be counterintuitive going forward. Yeah. Um, anyway, good rat stuff there. Yeah. Speaking of good rat stuff, he goes on another sort of digression um, about like uh, how machetes work, what the purpose is. It, it's again, it's good stuff. He's in the middle of a fight and he's thinking about um, the physics of machetes and why they're not good for piercing hearts. But uh, he has this aside because when you first see his um, his character sheet, he has twos in all stats, all his physical stats, all his social stats. But then he has two in his mental stats as well, and he says, "Can I say how utter bullshit it is that I only have two <laughs> in knowledge?" I wasn't terribly athletic. I wasn't great in social situations um, and so forth. I had drunk knowledge from Wikipedia like I was dying of thirst and I'd read a mountain of books. And so I'm wondering, like, what the fuck does it mean that his knowledge stat is the same as, like, his social and his physical stats? He's a blank character who didn't get to participate in his own character creation. Like, mm. so he knows stuff, but he clearly doesn't know that much about this about this world. And what I like later is I think the punishment he gets for cowardice uh, too was like a debuff to social stats. Yeah. And when he's talking to, I'm going to keep calling her his wet dream till her name comes up again. Um, 
he's he's stammering over his words. He's like, I wish I thought to say this, but all he could say was this. Like he is suffering a social stance. Like yeah. maybe not outside of a standard deviation of his normal level of su- of suffering of social stats, but it's easy to imagine that like he could have had a better conversation there if he hadn't been a coward twice. Yeah. Um. So I, uh, I think that ha- I mean that the two in knowledge. I, I let me skim really quick what knowledge actually did because, uh, you know, like if it's if it's game specific, which it often is, right? Like mm-hmm. it's going to be kind of useless to you. Um, that's true his his knowledge probably does suck in in this world since it's so different from ours yeah so let's see knowledge oh for god's sake chapters okay let's see knowledge how much you know used to make connections between disparate concepts dredge up old memories or memorize 10 digit number um and some of the perks for it were like uh woodworking hor- horticulture, livestock, and music. You know what? He doesn't really need the knowledge perks, does he? So, <laughs> I mean, none of these are uh, physics or um, how to make it, you know, computer programming or whatever, right? Like all the yeah. shit he'd have read on Wikipedia, unless he happened to read all of their woodworking. But even that, uh, well, I guess, no, making stuff with woodworking would probably be a physical trait, but knowing how to make the cool stuff is a knowledge trait. Um so, I mean, unless he watched a bunch of like the, you know, primitive technology videos or something or that sort of thing, then maybe this is an accurate representation of his knowledge as far as a uh, a game goes. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I like, because it's also not clear. I mean, clearly his knowledge of like physics doesn't really fucking matter, right? Physics is thrown out the window the second that he slowed down before hitting the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, 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 Oh, I'm pulling physics up so much because he was thinking about that while he was falling. So, like, presumably he read all the physics books. But since this world doesn't run on math, then, or at least not on the math he's used to, um, yeah. there's there's not really a point. Uh, and again, given how uniform everything else was, I'm just assuming, like, I don't know where I'd put, I mean, other than luck being zero, which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> like, I like the joke at the end of that chapter. Yeah, luck zero seemed about right. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, social three, uh, mental three, physical three, like, uh, other than the things that he unlocked already, unarmed combat, one-handed weapons, and improvised weapons, um, everything else is flat. So I think, like, this is just, he didn't get character creation. He's just generic, uh, as generic as it gets. Which, at a meta level, he remarks on about how, like, his friends used to, used to call him default, because um, he was perfectly plain, so... Uh, the, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a white bread and skim milk motherfucker. <laughs> right. Um, I think, yeah, he, he's talking about it and you know, maybe it's interesting. Maybe it's not. I wonder if he were to try to remember his friend's name as if he's, if he could or not, he remembers that he had friends. Oh no, he says Greg. Never mind. I was gonna say maybe his whole previous life kind of vanished, but it didn't. So my friend Greg once said, I looked like someone had chosen. Pre- maybe his whole previous life is, you know, just a delusion and this is a real world. Could be weird place to start from a, from a real world, but you know, when yeah. you're, when you're in a, a universe from scratch, it can mean anything. Um, so yeah. Uh, where were we in? So the- he's sneaking. Yeah. He's sneaking around and his deception skill goes up and he thinks, does this system use the same skill for both stealth and lying to people? Which <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a shitty game system in my opinion. Um, 
I agree. Uh, what 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 does he get? What's the perk called? Uh, it was. Uh, it wasn't. I, I think these are skills. Yeah, they're oh, yeah. skills, not perks. Uh, but uh, what was it? Uh, that's cowardice. There, skill unlock deception. Ah, yeah. So I mean, you know, lying about your location is kind of like lying to a person. But yeah, uh, you know, for, from a mechanical point of view, um, I think that they're distinct enough that it would seem weird to have them play into the same stat. But of course, like the, this actually is a handy place to uh, like, to, well, I guess we didn't mention that he, yeah, he goes out and kills one more zombie just to like kind of practice on it. Um, and it does consider to him, but he doesn't say it outright to sit there and farm XP. Um, yes. Like that, that's actually a, in my opinion, a really good idea. Like uh, he, I mean, you're sure you're putting all your points into one handed. And if this does turn out to be the kind of game where like, uh xp is like the 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 growth for it for no matter what you put your points into um goes up for every time you you earn you earn xp uh like then that would actually be a huge drawback right so he suddenly wants to start putting points of knowledge but he has to earn a ton of xp because he's got a 12 in strength right yeah. um so maybe, maybe that wouldn't be depending on well hold on i'm thinking of skills and and perks the wrong way the skills appear to be some things that uh, are increased whenever he uses them because like the more he swung the machete the more he got the skill ups yeah whereas his base stats were only adjusted when he made the level up yeah okay so maybe getting a ton of uh experience in one hand or a ton of skills in one handed wouldn't actually slow down how long it would take to get earn points in horticulture if you wanted to start doing that suddenly but uh yeah i mean, I mean i'm still on the side that getting getting your skill up is great but every time you're within striking distance of a zombie there's a chance the zombie's going to chomp on you and then you die totally yeah so i mean it's it's one of those things that like it you know again there's it's too early in the story for him to munchkin his way to godhood so like yeah it would be kind of lame if he just climbed to the top of the the gas station and started taking pot shots at them with bricks and just farmed xp for two hours um i i hope at some point we just we open up on a chapter and he's been doing jumping jacks for 30 minutes just to get a bunch of points into athletics. <laughs> but um, or, you know, if that turns out not to work, then just running laps around the building. Uh, you know, it. this is the thing. We don't know how the game works. So like these little experiments will come in handy. Maybe you only get uh, athletics for like new terrain. Um, you know, if you walk, if you were to walk exactly the same path back to the gas station, he would he would be earning no points in athletics. Um, but if it is just per step, then yeah, he should definitely be, you know, he'd get himself a treadmill and spend some free time on it. Uh, Grind that shit up. Yeah. And I, I wonder too, like, if, uh, so the level up happened really without his, uh, like, without his foreknowledge or permission. Um, and the downside of that then is that you can't, like, choose a good time to level up because he doesn't, he can't see his XP bar yet. Um, like in Oblivion and maybe no in Skyrim, you just have to like look up at the sky, but um, in Oblivion, you have to go to sleep and you can go the whole game without sleeping uh, or rather you have to choose to go to sleep. If you know, maybe there's a period where you get knocked out or something, but that doesn't count. Um, you can technically go, you can technically go through the whole game without killing anybody and without uh, going to sleep. So, um, or let me rephrase that. You can go through the whole game without murdering anybody. Uh, <laughs> just like so, real life. 
Right. Um, there, there was a, this is just going to be because of, so now we're talking about farming stats and I just talked about the murder thing. If you want to play Oblivion without murdering anybody and murdering somebody is how you get into the, bro- into the dark brotherhood. And so like they, they, they won't come to you until you've like just murdered an NPC basically. Um, not killed in self-defense, but like murdered an innocent. The only way to do that, I think without like, uh, I mean, cause I always try to play like the moral paragon basically, unless I'm trying to break that to have fun, but I really have to like focus to like not play the good guy. Um, if you play through the arena and the, the last guy, like the, the, the previous champion, if you find his backstory and I think it's like some disturbing fact about his childhood or something that like he was adopted or something, whatever bums him out. And so instead of him rushing out to fight you in this glorious battle, he just slunks out and he's like, just kill me, put me out of a misery. If you kill him, then it, it counts as a murder and the dark brotherhood comes to you, which is hilarious. Oh. Um, and you can't not kill him because the gates are up until one of you dies. Um, so farming XP, like in that game, the easiest way to do it was grab a shield, join the uh, the fighters guild or whatever they were called. Um, they changed names between that and Skyrim um, and take the first quest is clean out rats from someone's some some woman's basement. What's what's the, the, the best part about this is that there's like five rats. They do basically no damage. You just sit in the corner, crouch and hold up a shield and you get a block point every time one hits the shield. And if you just like, and in fact, if you're holding a shield, you take no damage. And so you can actually just like leave your remote with like the key with like the, the button pushed down and go grab some coffee or something and come back to 20 XP. You can do the same thing with sneak. And that's something too, that like, I don't know if it's like, that's the thing. No one else yet has said we're playing a game, right? Yeah. When someone says that, then they might still be NPCs, but that'll, that'll be a different level of NPC. Um, you know, that'll re that'll recategorize it for me a bit. But yeah, that's a that's a common thing in all sorts of RPGs. Like I remember the very first quest for glory way back in the day. I would just sneak around everywhere to get my sneak skill up. Just you know, rocking sneaking down the middle of the, the main street in broad daylight to get my skill up. I would go balancing on trees just to get my athletic skill up. It was yeah. And I mean it was kind of tedious because you would do nothing but that one thing over and over, trying to climb this tree for 20 minutes. Uh, but it got your climb skill up, so you just sat there and clicked for that whole period. Yep. The real life hack to just ruin the game is like in uh, the first 20 minutes of Skyrim, there's like a cave and there's a bear over in the middle of it, which is really easy to sneak past. That's where it's teaching about the sneak mechanic. So it's like hard to alert it. But if you just grab a rubber band and press the crouch button and uh, have the remote pull you against the far wall, it's like you're constantly stepping into it. Your yeah. Your sneak goes up, right? Nice. So yeah. if if his wet dream says, by the way, I'm, uh, you know, this is a video game, we can whatever. He's like, cool. Can you like turn around and I'm going to walk back and forth here in the garage for 30 minutes? Um, <laughs> awesome. Like, and if you t- if you notice that I'm here, will you say so? Like, mm-hmm. may- maybe there will be debuffs for like, uh, uh, what was that game? Cookie Clicker. And they made one like the Paperclip Maximizer game. Yeah, uh, that was great. So if you open up the uh, like the, the Chrome Dev Tools to like run JavaScript code on Cookie Clicker, you get an achievement called Cheater. Um, nice. So like, because you can just give yourself whatever a zillion of the highest unit of currency or whatever, right? Um, maybe this game also punishes him for cheating or trying to munchkin it. But of course, there's got to be some way around that, right? This wouldn't be fun if you couldn't munchkin somewhere. Um, 
And this is explicitly a video game. If you can't munchkin, then what's the point? <laughs> so, um, and plus two, even if you're like your munchkin debuff is, I don't know, you earn XP 10% slower. It's like, so what? I'm going to be like the stealthiest motherfucker here in two hours. Like I can, I won't need XP when I can sneak up and pickpocket the, you know, the ring off of the King's finger. So <laughs> um, anyway, uh, XP farming was another note I wanted to hit. I wanted NPCs. Oh, Another thing, uh, essential NPCs. So at the end of this, and we'll get there, um, What's-Her-Butt gives him a, a quest. And that's how this and chapter I, ends. I just want to point out, yeah, yeah, Stephen is not being a jerk. You do not find out her name in those first two chapters because he just meets her right at the very end of the chapter two here. And actually, we find out Juniper's name for the very first time right at the end of chapter two here, which I didn't realize. But yeah, this, this is where you first learned who... We, the character is yeah he introduces himself to her or she asks him rather who he is um yeah. yeah and given that i barely remembered his name if i didn't remember an npc's name then i was gonna live with myself as not an asshole but yes uh yeah. and his wet dream i'll read the whole description so it's not so it's clear i'm not just being a jerk but in any case um a lot of games you can't finish you know like if uh um if an if an oblivion you're quested to go get the king's son martin septum voiced by sean bean um and you can't kill him. Like if you, if you try, you can knock him down and he'll like sit there and kind of do like the, the feeble thing. And then he'll get back up with more, you know, his health will start coming back. Um, what's fun about that. And also like that in Skyrim, um, you can just beat the shit out of the person walking you out of the caves and then never aggro against you. So you can just train destruction magic up to a hundred. You can hit him with your sword. You can, uh, uh, train all your archery. You can do whatever you want and just farm all the XP you want. Right. So if he's feeling sadistic and he finds an essential NPC and doesn't mind whatever comes out of uh, the consequence of, you know, um, beating on them for too long, then he, he has other opportunities there to farm. So you are a sick, sick man, Stephen. I mean, th- this 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 ways this the the okayness of doing this depends heavily on whether or not these these characters think. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I there's other thing too. I don't know how full the plane was that they jumped out of. Uh, he didn't land near anybody. Like there was the girl being attacked by zombies. She might have come out of the plane, um, but he, he he thought that he landed away from other people. Um, and you know we never saw Mohawk guy. We never saw co-op guy. Um, like no, we saw we saw at one point um, a girl running from two Mohawk guys. That's when he got his second cowardice thing. Oh, that's right. But it wasn't. I don't know if it was the same Mohawk guy. Um, what's interesting though, too, is that like Mohawk guys, apparently the, the Raider class of characters or whatever are willing to cooperate with each other, but not other people. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. which of course gives you the opportunity to kill one of them, take the jacket and disguise yourself. Uh, how do you got to get the Mohawk thing too, though? Yeah. It depends if that has to be part of the disguise or not. You didn't have to change the hairstyle and fallout to, uh, disguise as a faction, but we'll see. Um, I realized that I'm probably injecting too much of my specific video game knowledge into this, but I'm just working with what I got and having fun with it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, I mean, you know, hell, uh, if he, uh, buys a can or not buys, just lifts a can of, uh, pink paint from a store or something and, and lifts his hair up with it. Like, is he able to disguise himself as one of the Raiders? Like maybe, um, maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we won't. I mean, what would be funny is if, like, he does that and then Wet Dream just, like, starts attacking him because he's a raider, right? 
Like right. she doesn't even notice, even though he transformed right in front of her. It's like you're you're with your uh, like in New Vegas. You put on the uh, the like you know the California New Republic jacket, and suddenly the people around you start killing you. And it's like you, I was you j- you just watched me put my coat on, guys. Come on, it's still me. <laughs> um, All right, so you've you've referred to this woman, girl, whatever person many many times now. Well, who who is this? What's what's happening here? Okay, so he he's. I like how his, so he's escaping from the zombie horde. He kills the one, gets the extra um, XP for killing it again. And uh, this one he kills uh, by hacking to its heart from its collarbone. Um, That's pretty fucking brutal. I don't remember if he gets, uh, he doesn't get a critical hit on that way, on that one. Um, So maybe it is a random thing because it sounds like a critical cool hit to do a heart hit from the shoulder. But um, so then he's like, "All right, cool. I I know I can do that. That's good to that's good to know." And he he takes off at a brisk walk, which I think is really funny. Um, yeah, it he doesn't say like you know he has needed to catch his breath or anything. So I don't know if he's like what his endurance looks like or anything like that. Um, maybe he hadn't tried sprinting. Maybe he would find that he could for short bursts or whatever, and suddenly became fatigued. There's a great YouTube video um, that I stumbled across a few months ago. And it's like guy playing Dark Souls for the first time um, or like being being the Dark Souls character for the first time. And uh, he like goes up and he runs up and he's like, God, why am I so or he takes a swing at the at the first enemy? And he's like, why am I so tired? And like because your your stamina in that game drains really fast. Um, uh, OK. And then he's like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to parry. And it, he tries it a few times. He's like, all right, I'm going to go do this goes for it misses he's like oh that window is really small and then he gets killed and he keeps trying over and over like little things like that um anyway so he doesn't try sprinting yet but he i just like how he's like well they go two miles an hour i will go three and a half miles an hour and keep a healthy distance i like the mm-hmm. the brisk walk that just made me chuckle so then he uh he gets an athletics increase and oh you know what um he he unlocked athletics when he was running in cowardice the first time Okay. In this, he actually earns a level in it. Okay. So noticing the change might be real. Um, because before, there was no noticeable change because he didn't actually do anything. He just unlocked the skill. Ah, I see. Yeah, so like, you know, presumably it was just there with points zero. And now it's points plus one. But again, my steps became a little more sure, a little more swift, and I straightened my posture slightly. He could have done all of that without, you know, getting a notification that he improves his athletics, right? <laughs> Or could, I or could so, he, yes. maybe, I don't know. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so he thinks that it, oh, he even, yeah, he says, I wondered how much of that, if any, was psychological. Either way, it gave me some information about the, how the game system, which is welcome. Uh, so then he sees like this, uh, like farm barn it's, thing. Yeah, it seemed kind of like a, a car shop almost. Yeah, but before that, there's the, like, what, and what was this thing? Um, so... It was, uh, let's see. It was oh, a start, but I saw thing. people moving across the main road. They were running, a short blonde girl in the lead, and two guys with pink mohawks chasing after her. All right, the pink mohawk thing is definitely the faction. I, I didn't catch that they both were pink mohawks. Um, so, or at least that's what I thought at first, until I saw the thing following them. It was a blackened creature of corpses with eyes as large as headlights and a body so big it would have a hard time hiding behind a gas station. It was moving far faster than the zombies had moved, slamming its fists down and dragging itself to make up for a uh, a back leg that was crooked and broken. Um, and so this is the funny part too, where, uh, and th- this one, I'll give him less like, uh, 
you know, bullshit points, then like, again, if I was the girl being eaten by zombies and someone just ran away when asked for help, I'd be like, you coward might've been my dying words. Uh, in this case, he spots this, you know, uh, gas station sized monster zombie in the distance. And he's like, I'm going to get out of its line of sight. And that gives him a cowardice affliction. That one's way more bullshit than the first one. <laughs> yeah. And so like he hadn't even decided that he was going, I mean, it says that maybe I could hide and try and loot it while the big guy was distracted. I mean, he didn't, he didn't express with his actions that he wasn't going to participate in trying to help her fight this thing. Right. He just moved so he could maybe even sneak up behind it. That's not cowardice. So maybe there is some level of mind reading involved with, with these afflictions and, and bonuses, which would make it really hard to munchkin stuff. Um, not impossible, but you'd have to get really creative with it. Yeah. Right. Like if, if, yeah, you would, if uh, I'll have to think of it off air of like how I would munchkin stuff. If the knowledge that I was trying to munchkin it kept it from working. Um, mm-hmm. So he decides in his head, I'm going to go hide, but his actions just say, I'm going to get out of its line of sight. So Maybe it's a mind reading involved. Um, but Maybe gets, you're just supposed to charge forward all the time. I mean, but there, but he that, got to be he, dumb. But, but and, well, he all, I mean, A, it would be dumb and not a very fun game, but we don't know if this is a fun game or not. But he gets a, he gets a point in deception for sneaking. So like clearly sneaking is a reward you can get. Um, yeah. You know, maybe he was going to get another a sneak point by sneaking up behind it and getting a critical st- backstab. Like, come on. Um mm-hmm. I also wonder if its leg was broken because the raiders and girl had uh, like damaged it. Um, that was my assumption. Yeah, or it's too strong of a you know level one encounter to run into while it's at full strength. So it's like the first death claw you run into in Fallout Four, where ah. it's like I think it's even called like weakened death claw or something or injured death claw. Um, and let me double check here. So, oh, they were chasing after her. I thought like so my my first read on that. It, it might have been like chasing after her didn't necessarily mean in pursuit. It might have meant they were running the same way, which was away from the giant monster, right? Yeah. Um, it didn't necessarily say they were trying to catch her and kill her. Uh, right. I'm still not sure about that one. Like, yeah. It, yeah. Like chase, chase implies that, but they, it, it, that's also just the perception of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they were, the three of them were ganging up on this thing and they lost two of their party and they're like, fuck it, we're out of here and it's chasing them. So. Uh, in any case, um, for the extremely cowardice move of moving to the side, uh, he loses one to wisdom and one to poise. Um, so, uh, again, he, he, he complains out loud, nothing happens. And then he begins jogging towards the nearest town, just ignoring the, I mean, that's interesting. I, I might've sat and watched the giant monster for 20 seconds. Now that I think about it, but, uh, it is what it is. Um, you know what now that i think about it i'm kind of indignant how do you not spend 30 seconds looking at this thing and just seeing what it does and where it goes how fast it is like even just for pure like survival standpoint i'd want to know what it's capable of and second of all it's like i don't know your first dragon you see in a game you're like you're not going to just run away from it if you, if it hasn't seen you yet you're gonna be like ooh, i wonder what it can do like the first time you see a giant in skyrim if it's not chasing you you, you look at it you know you see what it does and you'll notice that it like treats the mammoths the same way that farmers treat their ca- their cows. It's really cute. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, they like they they tend to them, uh, and they will attack you if you attack the mammoths. Um, so uh, anyway, he doesn't do that. He bails and looks for the town. Um, but uh, then yeah, it's like a it's like a garage thing. Um, 
The biggest point in its favor is that it was the closest place to hide from big old corpse legs, <laughs> and which had disappeared out of his line of sight. So, uh, all right, you know what? While looking for a, a vantage point to watch from that wasn't just like lying down in the field, I guess, this is the first place he found it. By then they were gone. So that's fine. All right. My indignance is uh, revoked. Okay. So no zombies. Uh, peek through the window. It's empty. Um, with rusty machete in hand, which is funny because it's almost like with trusty machete in hand. Ah, uh, uh, okay. I don't know if that's on purpose. I'm assuming everything's on purpose. Uh, well, not everything is a clue. Not everything is. I, I I maintain everything is a clue, but maybe maybe not everything is a clue. But everything is intentional. Uh, okay. Alexander Alexander's a genius, and uh, if that was an accident, it's because he's so good at this that he writes funny accidents on part on accident. Um, all right, so. I like this. He opened it and tried his best to emulate what the SWAT teams did on TV. And like clearing a room is actually not that hard and everyone should know how to do it. Um, but yeah, it, it, you can do it with sticks or a sword, but uh, guns make more sense because it's easier to clear a room when you can do a sweep. But anyway, nothing there. So um, I'm just like reading the book at this point. I didn't get around to second reading this part because I tried to put it off until tonight. So um, ah. I, I gave him my first read, and it's six days old. So I'll let there's you talk. There's a fresh body it. inside there. Okay, there's a fresh body in there with a hole through its chest and a hole through its head. That it smells right. really bad. It's been double tapped. Like, Rule two of yep. Zombieland. Yes. <laughs> and as he's uh, trying to be sneaky in this place, he gets the skill unlock deception, which is where he asks, "What the hell? Do I get one skill for both flying and sneaking? That seems very strange." And then he pushes open the, the a door and standing by a workbench besides car parts, tools, and cans of fluids is the most beautiful girl he has ever seen. So before we go into describing his his perfect girl here, um, the, the, the hole to the head and head hole in the heart suggest that she shot this thing twice with that like wallet gun that she has. And yeah, that's... She did the sensible thing of shooting it in the face first, and then that didn't work. Let's go for the next vital organ and shot it in the heart. Um, So, like, if these people were all natives to this place, they might know, like, oh, yeah, the zombies, heart. You got to go for the heart, right? Like, that'd just be, like, standard knowledge. Um, It'd be like us with the zombies in our world, go for the head. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, um, maybe no one here knows anything more well no that can't be the case because she's like naming places and and has quests and stuff so it's interesting that she didn't know to go for the heart first um or maybe she did and just missed and hit the head first because she's you know uh i don't know rolled a 19 i'm not sure how the you know how all this works so yeah okay so i'm not really sure what the whole <laughs> um i'm not really sure what the protocol here is in terms of pros i mean I don't want to sound like a creep, so maybe I should just stay as generic as possible and tell you about her dark red hair pulled back in a braid, the glacial blue of her eyes, how starkly alert she looked as she peered over the parts in front of her, or her grease-smeared clothes. Save for her eyes, which I wasn't really fo- which I wasn't really focused on any of that. Um, or save for her eyes, I wasn't really focused on that. Uh, interestingly, he can see her eyes, and she hasn't seen him yet. Um, uh, my mind is consumed by oh, because he's he's uh, he's sneaking. Of course, he hasn't been uh, you know discovered yet. So yeah, um, I wasn't really focused on that. My mind was consumed by tracing her curves, the swell of her tits, and her bl- in the in the bloodstained T-shirt and the fullness of her lips, the delicate way she parted them. And yeah, it was pretty fucked up that there was a splatter of blood on her shirt, and that wasn't worth reading much of a mention. 
I was consumed with staring at her and thinking how gorgeous she was until I noticed that she was having a powerful effect on me, at which point different parts of my mind were giving or given over to marveling at the sensation of being so attracted to a girl and others were still focused on her. That's really fun. I read that paragraph the first time when I read it twice, because that's a really interesting description. Like she's so visibly intoxicating that he notices this is unusually visibly intoxicating. And yet he's still visibly intoxicated and he's aware of that yeah. fact as well. As and he even says meta, that it like feels, three. yeah, it, he even says it feels like someone brain scanned him to make what was the most uh, physically appealing to him uh, possible creation. And that's really kind of fucking creepy. And he even says he was instantly distrustful of someone that could hijack my brain in the way she did. Right. So, yeah, that was, that was interesting. Okay. So I got two things about this. I guess the first one I'm going to touch is, is that second part, like, have you ever met someone that was like so fucking gorgeous you immediately were like on guard because you didn't you you couldn't, you know, you didn't like what it was doing to your brain? I mean, the correct answer to that of course is yes, my my beautiful wife. Um, <laughs> well the, done. The, was... the, the real answer to that is like uh like th- this is like cartoonishly over beautiful, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you know you you see supermodels on posters which is you know even easier to fake than a movie and you're like doing more than that in a 3d rendered walking talking model like no i've never seen anything like that um you know i've seen nines and tens for sure but i've never seen a 15 so yeah yeah. um it's the the other thing that i liked about that too was uh um, well do you think that you would feel that same sort of wariness around something that seems like it was made to be a trap for you it seems so perfectly fine-tuned. I don't know if he's worried about the trap part. He says that he's distrustful of someone that could hijack his brain the way that she did. Um, yeah, like, I don't. But I, what, what I'm wondering is that if he's distrustful of her, or if he's distrustful of how this happened. Like, okay, like you know, up until this point, someone's just fucking with him, right? This could have all been done from stuff that he wrote down in you know playing D and D, something like that. Like that might be like an underlying thought process. At this point unless he keeps a diary that the, that the game master read stolen red and described his wet dream in that, then like, this is like full on read his mind. And so it's like, it's not merely seeing a, a, a 15 is seeing your 15. And so it's, it's like, okay, this is way too personal. And like, I, I guess I read it that he wasn't blaming her for like, he was distrustful of someone that could hijack my brain in the way that she did. I guess. Yeah. That does sound like it's, he's distrustful of her. I was thinking he was distrustful of whoever designed her. Um, okay. Because up until this point, it's just like someone's fucking with my game stuff, but like this is like a whole other level of of mental intrusion. But maybe, yeah, maybe I it used, is directed at her. I used to listen and read to a lot of uh, Dan Savage, and one of the things that he he said, which I thought was a really interesting point, is that um, you know, there's always power dynamics in relationships, but he says a lot of people don't seem to give credit to how much power there is in beauty, like being a significantly more beautiful or attractive person than your partner is a level of power that some people don't consider uh, because that, you know, it does hijack our, our hormones and our, our mental systems to have someone that beautiful next to us. And it's, it's a different kind of power, but it is, it is something as well. And like, since I heard him say that I've thought about that kind of thing around really attractive people, like, life does seem to be easier for them and I can understand why. And this sort of thing, you know, it, it nowadays would put me a little bit on guard. I think, I mean, I think, uh, 
like, you know, attractive people have it easy is hardly an original Dan Savage. Um, <laughs> no, but like the, the level of what's going on here is different. So it's not like he's seeing you know, like there's a great episode of 30 Rock where she's dating uh, John Hamm. And it turns out that he's a complete idiot and he's been living his life in what Jack Donaghy calls the bubble um, where people are just nice to him and do whatever he wants because he's so beautiful. And like he gives tennis lessons to hot milfs because uh, they want him to give, give tennis lessons, even though he sucks at it. Um, <laughs> like he gets tables at restaurants and whatever, right? Uh, he can order off menu at places that don't let him order off menu. Everything is just easy mode for him. And they, they play this up to 11. Um, like, that that's life if you're if you're John Ham level attractive, um, maybe not quite that extreme, but somewhat, right? Uh, yeah. That that part's all you know. Sure, there's a power imbalance there or whatever, but I'm less I'm not too concerned with that. Like, sure, my wife has three or four or five points on me, but like I don't let that keep me up at night. Um, right. Like the uh, like I, I don't have any uh, sense of inadequacy or or insecurity about it. And maybe I'm being uncharitable with the five points, but I, I know that whenever we go out, she gets compliments and I don't, but I don't, again, I don't feel bad about that. I feel great because she's awesome. She deserves it. Uh, and it's pretty unusual for guys to get compliments on how they look. Right. Yes. I mean, I, uh, I got a compliment on a, on, I think my sweater jacket when we went out uh, to the mall a couple weeks ago, but it was at a store by somebody who was trying to sell me stuff. So, oh. um, can't even trust it so it'll, it'll go on the list of compliments i got this decade but um you know it's uh it, it gets it has an as it has an asterisk next to it um anyway uh th- but th- but this level of like the the distrust i think for this isn't merely that she's like the most attractive person ever it's that she's per- like the most attractive person ever psychologically tailored to him and right, right. so that's the that's the weird level of like what the fuck is happening here kind of thing um not merely like, oh, she must have it easy because she's pretty. Uh, it's, yeah. Um, Real quick, do you have a mental image of her at all? Uh, I mean, kind of. Although when I picture her, maybe this says something about me, but I don't picture her with red hair, even though it describes red hair. So I'm, I I guess he describes his wet dream. That's what I kept calling her. I don't know if he actually yeah. used those words, but he, he, does did, not. he didn't need to. Um, yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm picturing like the most beautiful person ever, right? And I, I don't really have a strong mental model of it. I just have like, I don't know, a, I, I have like a, a, like an archetype with no shape on it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, this is going to date me, but way back in the day, there was a, uh, cartoon Saturday morning cartoon called Captain Nintendo, the power kid, uh, about this kid that gets sucked into his Nintendo and, you know, then he has to like play video games from the inside basically. And, um, there's a princess in there, which she has to save, obviously, and she becomes part of his party. But she is a uh, redhead, and she's, like, drawn to be, you know, pretty or whatever. And since, like, he's in a video game, and it's this hot redheaded girl, ever since I read this chapter, I have, I, I viewed this person as, as I have that mental image of that, the princess from that video game in that, my head. That's funny. I will, yeah. uh, I'll Google that after the show. Um, okay. so I guess I, I picturing probably wasn't what, what isn't in a Saturday morning cartoon. Like he uses the word tits, not breasts or chest. Right. Like I'm picturing cartoonishly oversized tits, like, you know, okay. double K's on a size three frame. <laughs> All like, right. I mean, I, 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 I doubt it'll go that extreme with it. Maybe it will. But, um, I, I think that, 
I, I basically am, am thinking of like all of the ooh pretty and just turning them way too high, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess if you do all of that to every dial, it looks inhuman, and she's not described as looking like some weird sci-fi monster. So, um, anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> I forget what I was going to say about that. Other than oh oh oh, I, I have this. I, I want to pull this out right here. The first thing he says to her is "boo." <laughs> right. It says, I wanted to say "but" to start some sentence, but it caught in my throat. It says, "Skill unlocked, romance." <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks, "Har har game, har har," That's which fantastic. is just great. Yeah, this game has a sense of humor. Right. And I actually, I I pulled it out too. The "but" sort of "but." This is his. Mm-hmm. This is his debuff to poise. Like he, mm, he, yes, tr- it is. he tried to talk and couldn't articulate. Um, and we don't get much conversation here, but I, I suspect like if he tried to bluff her, um, like he does, but it's vague. Uh, I, I, I get the impression that he couldn't tell her a convincing lie. Like uh, I, I think that he, he's debuffed too much in his social stats. Um, mm. So maybe he'll pop some mentats or something and be able to talk her into stuff. But uh for now, he's uh, he's 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 basically, buh, uh, he, he's playing the the low end character. Um, yeah, and so then she's like background. He's like, uh, like he, he's this is not. I mean, he might not be socially apt. Uh, typically, this is the first social encounter we've seen. But I get like he's not nearly as articulate as he is in his head, right? None of us are. Yeah, but You're right. Um, most of us, I. I don't half my time half the time my thoughts are as jumbled as my speech but uh they're they're not yeah I'm tra- I'm chasing the thought I'm having now and watching it and it is about as inarticulate as what I'm trying to say so um so so in the last few paragraphs here we get a lot of information about the world dropped on us right so uh she so um we get his name June which isn't world information but um short for juniper and uh she set herself like a bow ready to loop or like a bow ready to let an arrow loose, which is a fun descriptive way of saying like poised for attack. Um, and she just says background. Like, I like this name background. Like she's just asking stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's like, der, um, oh, serial number. Right. Now, now he's thinking about the, the poise stat and stuff. Um, yeah. oh. oh shit. Can I backtrack just a little bit? Yeah. I, this is the, uh, the second thing that I wanted to bring up before we got sidetracked. I forgot. Uh, at the beginning of the description of her, June says, I'm not really, or the you know narration is, I'm not really sure what the protocol here is in terms of prose. I mean, I don't want to sound like a creep, so maybe I should stay as generic as possible. Um, the I found this like really interesting to read because this feels so much like something that was written in the modern day. Like if this story was written in the 80s or 90s or whatever, there would be none of that hemming and hawing. There would just be a narrator saying, there was this fucking hot chick in front of me. Here's how hot she was, right? Right. Whereas nowadays, you really can't do that without looking, you know, like a creep. Like the author must be some 70-year-old cishet white dude that needs to be canceled. And and like, it just, I don't know. I don't have much to say about it, except for the fact that it, it was an interesting contrast to how things have been written that you can't just come out and and describe something if it could be problematic, you have to find some way to say, you know, hey, I'm not a bad person, but oh my God, this is what I'm seeing kind of thing. I think it's, yeah, it's interesting that like your, your, uh, 
your nine points in literacy will like come in handy a lot reading this because I don't have that. Um, so like you can bring it like with that, you know, historical context stuff. I, I didn't, it jumped out at me because he was talking about it in a way that was very self-aware that like mm-hmm. was more self-aware than like the rest of the stuff. Like he had, you know, the har har game, har har was like a joke to himself, <laughs> but this was him yeah. caveating his thoughts to us. Um, yeah. And so that's why it jumped out at me. Like it, what it, what worked for me in this, like, it wasn't like it was, you know, Alexander uh, having to say, I'm not a creep. It was perfectly in character for the person. It's like how they might think, right? Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, it, he's, it, you know, he's the nerdy type at school. He doesn't want people to think he's a creep. Well, and like, even if I'm oogling somebody in public, um, you know, I even I might couch my thoughts in, in a polite way. Uh, mm. You know, it, not just because I'm worried that Charles Xavier might be in the next room, but like just... You know, maybe that's just how my thoughts work or something. I'm not really sure. I'll next time I yeah. next time I get the opportunity, if I go outside before the next episode and see somebody that's worth looking at, I'll observe my thoughts while it happens. Um, Steven, everybody is worth looking at, you monster. <laughs> if I see somebody that turns my head because they're cartoonishly beautiful. Okay. Um, I will I'll try and observe my thought patterns. Uh so um the yeah, that that sort of description and like this that reads more like this is like a journal that he's putting together after the fact, right? Yeah. Um, yes, it does. And this this writing style feels very familiar to me because I read two of Tana French's books of like the six in the Dublin Murders series, um, and they're all like this, but they're like it from different perspectives, which is kind of fun. Um, but they're they're all written like somebody telling you, you know, about a thing that happened. Um, yeah. Which maybe is how a lot of first person books are, but like. Most of them aren't that so like uh, Tana French in, in a lot of her stuff, it'll be like, or I guess not in a lot, but of her stuff. Cause I've read, you know, uh, two, uh, two out of six books, but um, like, it'll be like, if only I had known this earlier, like it'll call that out. Um, or if only I thought to ask this question, then it, it'll say things like that. This hasn't done that yet. Um, where it's like, foreshadowing something that like that, that's not even foreshadowing right that's no, like but uh, it's it's yeah but the, you get the distinct impression that it's like a story of something that happened in the past that's being told to you exactly yeah yeah so um and i I'll, I'll look at a description of some pretty person in one of her books and see if it's like that but i feel like it would do something like that um with that same level of caveating that's like not as you know uh weird or whatever right um so anyway she asks for his background and he just says student and she, like, and she asks which anathaeum right. or athenaeum rather. The thes are harder with this thing on my teeth. Which athenaeum? Athenaeum. Yeah. And, and so here's the thing: the term athenaeum. I did not know this was a real term, but apparently it is. It's a just fancy word for school, uh, named named after the Greek goddess Athena, who was a goddess of wisdom. Um, does since they have the word athenaeum in their world. Like, do they have the same Greek gods that we did? Like, is this is this a Earth offshoot, or you know, like the the fact that that word exists says a lot to me. Uh, I like that it said a lot to you because it said nothing to me because he says that the word sparked a memory of his, and he knew that it was a fancy place for literacy and learning, named after the Greek god Athena. Now maybe that's his knowledge too kicking in out of nowhere and he didn't actually know that before but assuming it did the word just came from his memory right oh okay so maybe the game pulled it from his head yeah 
Like if he, okay. if he was writing a story, he would call it an Athenarium, not a school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it could be that, uh, you know, they, they, that this place has the same mythology in the background for me. I'm saying it's all coming from him only because I don't have enough worlds yet. Right. So right. Yeah. Everything I know so far is that everything is being pulled. I mean, basically everything, right. The, the zombies, the, the, uh, his wet dream girl. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to her having a name. Um, so I can quit calling her that. <laughs> it but, starts. Yeah. The beginning of next chapter. Oh, great. Um, and then, uh, um, like, like I said, he knew about this word already. If she, when she explains something to him and like, he starts learning things, uh, that he didn't already know. Um, then it'll be, uh, I, I I'm curious what that will look like. Uh, you know, it, if this place turns out to have like, Oh yeah, those people over there, they believe this. And he's like, Oh, that's like the people that I wrote for this story or this, this game. Um, or if he's, or if there's entirely original knowledge that, that comes in the, that builds a sense of history around this world that is original to him. Um, depending on how that goes, that'll, that'll flesh this out in one way or another. Um, I mean, if it's all stuff he already knows, unless there is some constraint on his knowledge stat, that's making him unable to recall it, in which case start pumping points into knowledge. Um, yeah. Like if it's all stuff he knows, then he might be able to deduce everything he needs to know about the world from sitting in a room with his eyes closed. Right. Mm-hmm. So presumably there's some underlying stuff here. Um, you know the fact that uh, with a uh, with no points and uh, with no skill points in improvised weapons, he now knows that uh, um, postcard carriers last for four hits. Like that's new knowledge. But you know maybe when he gets a couple of points into improvised weapons, they'll last for six. Like, uh, but that that's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm talking like if they have uh, a you know what I mean. Like this place has a history, and this is what we you know these people believe or whatever. Um, but the other thing, so she's, you know, which, which school fancy Greek. And he's like, I don't know what that is. And then she asks, why did she put you on the, why'd they put you on the plane? Um, yeah. and so she, she figures that the only people that would be in this area are people that dropped out of a plane. Uh, and she, I guess apparently knows, maybe she came out of the plane too. Then, uh, she apparently knows that, um, the, the planes have, you know, no one drops out of a plane unless they're put there for some sort of crime. Yeah. And so I was wondering that too, whether or not she was on the plane and got here before him, like, you know, be, again, like PUBG, you get a lot of uh, degrees of freedom with how you angle your way flying out of the plane. Um, yeah. You do get to choose when you jump out if you're playing, but after that you get to like, you know, he, he describes like a level of control that I'm pretty sure is above and beyond what you can just do if you're falling. Um, okay. I'm not, I've, I've never jumped out of a plane before, but like, I think he, like, I mean, like if, if, if it was, I don't know how much, I don't know how much angling your body does to like actually drive you in a direction. If you don't have any sort of wind resistant clothing, like a squirrel, like a flying squirrel suit or a parachute. Um, I think you, you can maneuver a little bit. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Actually, I, li- I have no idea. I, I, I would think some, but not like a ton just because of how people are shaped. Um, yeah. But you see like those groups of 20 people that jump out and then like form cool patterns as they're falling right but so what they don't do some level of control what they don't do is land miles apart right right and so yeah. if she fell out of the plane when he fell out of the plane like i guess what i'm saying is i i suspect they had more level of control jumping out of it because uh they didn't all land in the same parking lot right like if if they all just fell straight down you know with a small degree of variation that have all landed you know some dozens of feet apart from each other 
Well, I hear when people, uh, you know, when paratroopers jump out of planes, they can land uh, sometimes miles apart. But they pull uh, their parachutes. A, yeah, yeah, that's right. They, yeah, they angle with parachutes, which yeah. he didn't have. <laughs> if you, if no one's seen Deadpool 2 yet, you owe it to yourself. There's a great scene where everyone jumps out of a plane. Um, so uh, she she asks why why he was on the plane, right? And mm-hmm. whether or not whether or not she was there, we're not sure. And he was like, oh yeah, dissidents are on the plane. And he says, I was caught distributing pamphlets, um, which apparently means, as I'm going to read it, that he was trying to start a rebellion but didn't print enough pamphlets, and that's why he got caught and put on the plane. <laughs> that's what I assumed as well. Yes, uh, that's his lie anyway. Yeah, and so. Um, so no one showed up other than his mom's boyfriend, who he hates. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, if no one gets the Korg reference, you can just stop listening now. There's more coming. Um, or just go watch Thor Ragnarok. Anyway, um, I don't know why he lies. It's interesting. I mean, I... Well, I think he lies because he doesn't know why he was on the plane. That's a good answer. Be like, I don't know. I just got here. Like, I... Oh. I, I might have you... said that. Why not? I Because she's pointing a gun at him and, like... He doesn't want to just say, I don't know, because that would be an obvious lie to pretty much anyone. Like, oh, you don't know why you were arrested, tried, and then put on a plane as your punishment. No, seriously, I'm from Kansas. I was in school, a school called this. You know, uh, these are different clothes. I, you know, like, I mean. How bullshit does that sound? I mean, I, I that's the thing is I, I, maybe it's my inclination towards honesty, but like, and maybe the gun would change how I'd act to somebody talking. But at some point, he's going to tell somebody, by the way, I have no idea what the fuck's going on or where I am or what's happening, hopefully. Yeah. And yeah. we'll see how that conversation goes. But, like, uh, I mean, the the other possibility that I thought was really distinct earlier on and, like, is and might still be a thing is, that like, literally everyone who's here is from the outside world. You know, the people with Mohawks and co-op guy from the plane, they've played before. But maybe everyone's originally from OG Earth, you know, like it, maybe everyone has a first time through. And yeah. so, like, if that's the case, then when he gave that answer, she'd be like, oh, ha, it's your first time. Noob, it's my 11th. Right. Yeah. Um, like if it's if, if everyone came from Earth and they have first playthroughs, then a everyone's a player character um, and B people would be more sympathetic or want to be dicks depending if you're a, a raider person or a, a nice helping person to uh first time players so um yeah I, I guess what i'm saying is i wouldn't necessarily thrown honesty out the window so early in the conversation but there's a gun and his poise is low so whatever uh, <laughs> he gets a uh deception level one uh skill increase for the attempt at a lie anyway i feel like he wouldn't have gotten the skill increase if the lie didn't work but that's just me um oh yeah usually you don't get scale increases if something doesn't work although sometimes you do i guess it depends on the game system yeah i'm trying like most of my stuff is coming from fallout and you know elder scrolls and um a handful you know maybe diablo and a handful of other things like you you don't you don't really get uh attempts you don't get points for trying you get points for doing stuff there's some games where you do where even failed attempts will give you some points i think like i'm trying to remember you know, like you, you get you get the option to lie, you know, in, in Fallout and stuff. And if you fail, they just notice and they get pissed. I don't think you get points towards deception. You definitely do when you get a successful lie. But, you know, again, we don't know the rules. So, yeah. yeah. What are the so rules? So here she drops a bunch of knowledge on him. She says, the Fuchsia Coterie came down with us. Uh, so 
Uh, we know that there's a group called the Fuchsia Coterie, and I'm assuming it's the pink Mohawk guy, since Fuchsia is a pinkish color. They have a mission in the Risen Lands, and part of that mission is putting down anyone who sees them. So yeah, it sounds very much like the pink Mohawk guys, and now we know why they're killing everyone. That That's part of their mission. And we also know that like this place is called the Risen Lands, apparently, which kind of makes sense, because the you know undead are rising, right? Yeah, I guess uh, I'll be honest. When she was going through this, um, and again, only read this part once, like I was like, great vocab drop. Like I just, I skimmed it, which I probably shouldn't have done. Oh, okay. But I'm like, okay, so I'm guessing color riot is the Mohawk faction. Um, uh, one in a hundred survived the journey. Again, this is such NPC dialogue. You're bumping into somebody and they're giving you uh, an exposition dump on where you're at and offering you a quest. Um, yeah. So yeah. Like he even says that was a pretty shockingly straightforward hook. Right. Um, not unless we work together. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it couldn't be better, right? Uh, now, of course, he just needs to choke her out and loot her her backpack for all of her <laughs> stuff, right? Um, that's that's how you would play the most Paragon-y playthrough, yes. Well, he, he doesn't <laughs> strike me as, as a Paragon playthrough person. Okay. Uh, he doesn't strike me as a... He doesn't strike me like he's going to try and join the color riot, but I think that he's going to try to win. At whatever at you know whatever the cost. Now whether or not that means that he could comfortably choke out his you know dream girl, I don't know. But um, mm. like uh, depends on if that's his kink. Again, going back to Skyrim, uh, depending on who you follow out of the uh, the cave, you get into one person's house, and they're like, "Oh, you poor refugee, let me offer you shelter," and you can rob the hell out of their house. Um, yeah. You they offer you a bunch of stuff for free, which you can take, and then you can just sneak off and take everything else. And so like you know you. And even when I play, I'll sometimes take extra stuff because it's like, hey, I need the stuff and you really won't miss it because you're an NPC, right? Um, yeah. It's just doing, like, when I play Bioshock, I never harvest the little sisters. I always save them, right? Like, I can never do the obviously bad thing. Um, well, also, most games will reward you for doing the obviously good thing more than you would for doing the obviously bad thing. So it's not even a hard choice. I can't remember if in Bioshock you actually end up with more Adam because you get, like, the gifts of Adam that you don't get otherwise if you rescue No, them. you end up... You end up in the long term better off if you if you rescue them. Ah, well, I would have done it anyway. You know, even if you ended up with a little less, but um, yeah, it's anyway. So like the uh, um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, the fuchsia coterie came down with us. Okay, whatever those are. Um, maybe those are real words. Maybe they're not. If I look it up, it is a shrub. Fuchsia. A shrubbery. Yeah, fuchsia is a is a type of color, and coterie is like a grouping of people. Okay, like an organization maybe. So we got we got the purple people came down with us. <laughs> they have a mission in the Risen Lands, and as part of so this, okay, yeah, you're right. So when I was thinking, did she jump out of the plane? Unless this is her second playthrough, at least, then no, she didn't, because this is way too much knowledge for her to have, having landed half an hour ago, right? Um, if everyone was starting uh, from scratch, right? Like right. unless if everyone she, was starting from scratch, yeah, unless she found a book and read that before he got here, like. Uh, yeah, you know, this is either not her first playthrough, or she didn't jump out of that plane, uh, or she's an NPC she, who lives here. Right, right. Yeah, or maybe a PC who lives here, but I'm not. I'm not there yet. Uh, the the fact that she said came down with us makes me suspect that she was in the plane, though. Oh, see, I th- I thought that came down with us. Like they have a mission in the Risen Lands. Uh, they dumped the criminals in the Risen Lands as a trial of of combat, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. If if I'm traveling with the purple people for a mission here, I'm not throwing prisoners out of planes for part of that mission. I'm marching here with my army to take out the zombies or something, right? 
Right, but we saw the purple people being thrown out of the plane. One of them, like, you know, swept up and killed the dude in the air while they were falling, remember? That was a Mohawk guy. Yeah, but all the Mohawks are pink. Okay, so, so like, okay. Google, Google fuchsia right now. I know, uh, I don't, and, I just, it, it's that purpley red color. I guess I'm thinking, I thought the Mohawk people were the color riot. I think they're both terms for the same thing. Well, that's annoying. Give me two Let's different terms for the same thing the in the same paragraph. Right. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, I mean, it. I mean, it's it's fine, and I'm only annoyed because it makes me sound stupid, not because it's bad writing. Um, <laughs> so, like, uh, I, I took it as different things. When I say the Fuchsia Coterie came down with us, they have a mission in the Risen Lands, and part of that mission is to put is putting down anyone who sees them. Like, came down with us. I mean, I guess I I I would have thought that they're from you know the city to the north of here or up the mountain oh, and they came down okay. to the risen lands where the zombies are as part of a mission um that like, actually could be that too yeah and so it, it could be that i'm leaning the other way now um <laughs> sorry that it, <laughs> that's totally fine <laughs> so uh so the the mohawk people i guess live here um like as npcs and part of the job is to kill if not uh like just the player character there to kill the not uh the not fuchsia people um all right so ordinarily one in 100 survive the journey to the outpost but the color riot will ensure that you don't even have that hope not unless we work together so color riot fuchsia coterie um see i was taking those like when i think fuchsia i think expensive uh like dyes right and i guess i was thinking fuchsia is more purple than pink um Okay. Purple is a color of nobility because purple dial is rare and expensive. Right. And so I was thinking this is the noble class of, you know, the the knights or the the templars or whatever. Um ah, and they do use a fancy word like coterie instead of gang. Exactly. And so yeah, I was thinking that the fuchsia coterie was this was this military contingent of some church or something and they came down to the risen lands to do stuff. Um Oh, and maybe the color riot are the Mohawk guys that are working for the fuchsia coterie. It didn't say that they're working for the Fuchsia Coterie. It just says that the color riot is here, and so is the Fuchsia Coterie. Um, so th- that that's why I was confused. Uh, but now I, I see if that's the same same deal. I think we're spending too much too long on this. I I'm not going to blame this on reading comprehension. And anyone does, it gets banned from Discord. But um, no, no, no. I I mean, this is the first time we've seen either of those words, and <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to know exactly how they relate to each other. I assume since they both did have colors, that they're you know related in some way. That one is a subset of the other. That's fair, yeah. Um, I I was thinking that you know maybe color is how you know the the red the red people are from the west and they do this and the the future people are from the north and they do that. Um, they they could be different factions too. So that's uh, yeah, that's true. It could be anything, but is we'll we'll find out soon. I'm sure, hopefully. But he gets he gets offered a quest. In fact, oh, I guess yeah, he says I'm in. What needs doing? Um, uh, Boom! And we get quest accepted. Seven bells for seven hells, which is a fucking awesome way to end a chapter with a rhyme. Uh, it and turns a quest. out the ge- well, yeah. It turns out the game ends uh, that the game has a quest system within it. Oh yeah, it better. And he now got his first one. And he's gonna get I don't know, some games don't. Oh, I suppose. I'm trying to think of a game like if you're if you're playing a tabletop RPG, like with friends and dice and stuff, you never get a quest quest. There's no quest log. You just run into people and they tell you things that need doing. Valid. Yeah. And the, the, the game master might not say, well done. You've accepted the quest. 
Um, exactly. Although in your head, you say out loud to your partner, not in your head, you say out loud to your party. This seems like a pretty obvious setup for a quest, guys. We should do what he says. Uh, That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because because everyone who plays is genre savvy. Um, but yeah, the uh, um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I also like, I mean, the fun thing about it, too. Again, he gets the skill unlock for romance for like failing to articulate a syllable when talking with her first. And mm-hmm. uh he gets a Rambo perk or Rambo uh, achievement. Like what I like about it is that the game has a sense of humor. Um, It really makes me think of the achievements you get playing portal Two. Oh yeah. A lesson in trust. A lesson in trust is great. (laughs) It's my Um, favorite one. My favorite one is part eight, the part where he kills you. Oh no. I think this is the part where he kills us. Hello. (laughs) This is the part where I kill you. And then you get a 50 point (laughs) achievement. The, the part where he kills you. <laughs> it's delightful. That's um, great. So I, I'm hoping we get some beats like that in this. But like that, the fun thing about doing it. So and I realize this is going on. I don't know how long these are supposed to be. Um, but like now. All right. So we finished the reading. This is the, the contents over now. Like looking back on it. The fun thing about this is like I was I was wondering like, OK, can he actually do something like that where he gets a four beat in two seconds from. Uh, like that much of a, you know, redundant joke. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, if, uh, if that happened in methods of rationality, it'd be like, that was really funny. Elias are good one, but like it, it might like not jam with like, it would be hard to make that happen in universe in character. Right. Unless somebody was deliberately trying to be funny, which often happened. But like, I, this is my long way of saying that Alexander could totally get away with that in this because this is a game like it can be ridiculous and so uh you know i mean for all we know at the end of the quest he's going to be offered uh like oh thank you you know please uh take this bag of gold and like you know you turn it down and he either gets like a you know um he turns around and finds a ring that's worth twice as much as the gold bag or he gets a a perk or an achievement called sucker and you know Hmm. doesn't get anything for completing the mission or something right like mm-hmm. it, this can go any number of ways and he's allowed to have as much fun with it as possible. Um, like give, having read Alexander's stuff, um, it, clearly having fun with like, what can I do here is like, what kind of structures can I build with this sandbox? I think is a lot of the like underlying thought process of his stuff. Um, yeah. And like, I mean, if you read the, uh, the last Christmas or the, what was the Terminator one called? Uh, Branches on the tree of time, I think. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's clearly like, okay, how do I take this? And then what can I do with this? That's like just totally balls to the wall. And uh, this is what can I do? That's totally balls to the wall. And I'm starting with whatever I want. Um, And I don't know if he's, you know, like if that's necessarily the goal is just to go as, as, as crazy awesome as possible. That's crazy hyphen. Awesome. Uh, or if it's just, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're chapter two out of 150,000. I have no idea. So, um, (laughs) I believe it's 211 right now. Um, so, uh, we'll see, you know, how, how, how any of that stuff goes. I just think it's a lot of fun because I remember when I was talking about rational fiction with Brian, like he had asked if, if it was all, uh, fan fiction and I'd said, no, definitely not. Cause like I've, I've read stuff that isn't, but and I haven't read too much stuff that has the, you know, flare tag of rat fic next to it. I've read some, but uh, like, I think that it's, it's 
like fan fiction is a popular thing to write in uh, because it's it's easy. You already sounds, have the world. Yeah, exactly. That, you, that people love and they want to read more in it. Yeah, easy sounds like it's like taking a shortcut, but it's not that. It's just like uh, it's it's yeah, you get to build with blocks that are already there. And so, and then the cool thing is you can put them together in a new way. Like, uh, I don't know, what if Lex was smart and uh, not 100% just like evil for the sake of evil, right? Um, right. You know, fun stuff like that. So uh, it's it gives you license to try something like, I wonder if this has been done this way or if this could work this way. Um, when you're doing it from scratch, you're developing your whole, your whole edifice from the ground up. Um, this is coming from somebody who doesn't write. So I, I'm kind of talking mostly out my ass, but I have read stuff, some stuff. So, um, I, I think that that's the, the distinction there, but I forget what larger point I was making other than this is an OG rap fic that is like, uh, atypical in a particular like dimension that lets it still do whatever the fuck it wants. Like almost literally whatever it wants, and there's no like, hold on, that strains credulity. It's like tough shit, you know. The if a if a meteor falls out of the sky and crushes the the giant broken leg zombie, like that's just part of the game. Like, uh, you know, it, you don't get to complain how unrealistic it is at the beginning of Skyrim that Alduin shows up right as you're about to get your head cut off, right? Like. Right. Because if the game ended, you know, three seconds in with your hands tied and your head cut off, that would be a shitty game. Like, <laughs> yes, of, of course, of course, something's going to interrupt you getting beheaded at the beginning. Like, so, you know, I'll, like you get to get away with whatever you want. I think this is going to be awesome. So I have a final, like, sort of overview question over these first two chapters, um, which I'm not sure if there's, but there's not really an answer to it, but just something I wanted to kick around for a little bit. Um, there... There is sort of a rule when you are uh, writing, especially uh, when you're first learning how to write. A lot of people want to start like with a a battle scene or an action scene of some kind because you know that's exciting and there's there's fists flying and bullets shoot flying and you know, this is this gets the heart pumping. And you're supposed to basically never ever do that because it's always boring to the reader because the reader doesn't know the characters yet. The reader doesn't know what happens if you know he wins or loses why he should care it's you just you don't start with an action scene generally it's not engaging you have to know why you should care about the character first and what the consequences will be if they if they are to lose whatever fight they're in uh, before you can really give a shit but like yeah if it's it's third person you don't even know who you're rooting for (laughs) yeah but this sort of starts out that way i mean not not directly you are first given you know like five seconds ago i was passing notes in fifth english and there's a quick introduction kind of like a cutscene, where you are told that you're being thrown out of train for a uh, plane for committing crimes but aside from that it kind of just goes right into combat and yet like it works it was delightful and i cared and like, how the fuck did Alexander do this? <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like, the, the story doesn't start by, you know, with the opening gunfire. It clears its throat, and then, it's, then it gets right into the gunfire, right? So, like, yeah. um, I, I think, I guess I have I have two answers, and they're partly based on, I mean, because I, I don't know the rules of writing. So, running off what you said, like, they you say when they're starting out, it's advice not to do that. Well, I guess amateurs can't start in combat and have it be good, right? And Alexander's not an amateur, so it worked because it's a hard move yeah. and he can pull it off. 
I think yeah. my other answer, like when I just read the question and, and didn't uh, like think of it from the perspective that you gave is that like, it didn't like, this wasn't, this wasn't combat. Like it, it technically it was, he got, uh, you know, uh, weapons skills and stuff, but like this, this wasn't, and then he ducked and he, uh, he, he swerved around the spear point and, and uh, mm. d- did a cool flip. And, you know, um, clearly yeah, his, his yeah. side was winning. There was none of that. This was just like somebody jumping into a game and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And uh, yeah, like, like right from the beginning, this was world exploration and rules exploration. Right. And so, yeah, like you're, it, it did it through the zombie fight, but like it, it, May, I mean, I guess put put that way, it would have been super boring if you first did it through horticulture, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Right from the beginning, you're like discovering new things. Like, oh, he gets skills and he gets afflictions, and there's like a pop up in his vision and an achievement. Like, what the fuck is is going on? I guess that yeah, that exploration and that puzzle aspect seems to to really grip right at the very beginning, where you have something something. N- interesting that that catches your your like what the hell is going on here muscle yeah like for me there was never like a tension in the fight like right there, there was no tension of like oh my god is he gonna get hurt like that right, it yeah. never crossed my mind because uh th- that wasn't what it was it was like the whole time i'm in his head of like what the hell is this and so yeah. from from that from that lens it's not really starting with combat um uh, it you know it occurs to me too on his walk to that garage where you met what's her name um or what is her name um yeah uh he should have just been like picking up random plants and eating them um like just <laughs> just to see what it does like oh that one gave me a headache oh that one made me able to jump three feet in the air like you know random stuff right who knows mm-hmm. maybe they all make him sick but <laughs> for you, you never know um in Elder Scrolls you you uh with no alchemy skills you could learn the first uh trait of a plant just by eating it so yeah i think i was also quickly drawn in by the sense of humor in the game yes the, the you know the har har game when he got the romance skill and there were several other things like that too that just kind of made me either smile or laugh that i thought were really you know you, you can you can relate to something when it's per- enjoyable like that Oh, yeah. And like straight up from like the first five seconds or I guess, you know, five minutes or whatever, it lands achievement unlocked down but not out. Like that's hilarious. And that's clever. And that's exactly what you'd see in a cool video game. Um, You know, he gets a cowardice point for running uh, or, you know, cowardice debuff from running away from the first uh, dangerous encounter, um, improvised weapons. Like all of this had a grin on my face the whole time. That's why I was spam spam texting you when I was starting reading this. Like Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was just like spot on uh right up my alley like if uh if i don't know like and again he's doing this super thinky rationalist thing which just tickles that part of me that wants to read this yeah it's great like i it's i mentioned in the like intro episode like i have an aversion to like picking up new books and it usually takes like a couple of nudges for me to try one even like a like i said a new show just because it's like all right new plot new characters new names and faces and I always tend to enjoy myself. I mean, I turn movies off sometimes because they suck, but like uh, it, you know, it's like, I almost never regret the experience of trying a new story. It's just like, for some reason, I always like feel like I, like it'll take too much work, but the work is always worth it. Um, Like, you know, even, even books I didn't finish. I'm like, yeah, I don't regret the time I spent doing it. It wasn't like it took me, you know, six months. 
to read 90% of the gunslinger. Um, yeah. I, I stopped 90% through cause I got bored. Uh, like I, I, nothing, nothing against, uh, Stephen King or people who like it. I tried, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. Um, yeah. I feel like I, I don't know how many, I gave it a couple hundred pages, but like, I don't, what I'm getting at is I don't regret the time I spent reading it. I also didn't like, I mean, speaking of fun to read, like I, you know, that book took me the whole way through and gave me fuck all like, and again, I, I'm a bad reader, et cetera, whatever. Um, I'm not, I'm not shitting on anyone who enjoys this book. You guys are just better at reading than I am, but like I, I read or through maybe it. They have different taste. Yeah. Different taste and stuff too. But like I read through it, got no answers to anything. Like this whole thing is clearly said was a mystery. I'm hundreds of pages in and I, I don't know anything. And it's not because I'm dumb and not picking up on it. It's because you haven't explained anything. Like, I don't want you to spoon feed it to me necessarily, but like there, you know, it's, it's some weird alternate post-apocalypse future, maybe sort of thing with time dilation. And they're playing, Hey Jude on a piano in a, in a old West saloon. Like, what the fuck is this? Oh, you're not going to tell me. I guess I'll go fuck myself then. Like I, I'm ranting at it because this is the exact opposite of that. This one, it jumps in and it's immediately fun. And the character is, I, I think it also helps like, and this is a big difference is that, Roland, the protagonist of uh, the gunslinger lives there. And like, this is just his reality. Right. So n- none of it's weird to him. It's weird to us. What's great about being launched into a weird world with a protagonist who it's also weird for and is smart and like smart enough to think like, again, they're thinky and they want to like question stuff and learn about it because we also want that as the reader and having a protagonist in that same boat lets us enjoy that part. Right. Yeah, um, if, yeah. Like uh, Jake in the gunslinger. It's like this kid who gets basically teleported from the real world to this one. And uh, because he's a kid and he's not the main, he's not the POV character. We don't get any of his like trying to figure shit out thing. Um, so like maybe if the book had been from Jake's point of view, it would have been more fun for me. And that guys of like someone trying to understand what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I guess what I'm getting at very long winded is that uh, this story will let us like have a character who's as confused as we are and also as inclined as we are to understand what's going on. And that's awesome. Yep. Hell yeah. All right. That was my 10 minute way of saying that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was, it was valuable. Thank you. I liked hearing it. <laughs> well, <laughs> makes one of us. <laughs> All right. So in chapters one and two, it was a bit over 8,000 words. I'm thinking the next three chapters together are a pretty good arc. Uh, they they have a good like you know, it's a good chunk of action that goes together. Um, and the three of those chapters are about fourteen thousand words, so not twice as long, but you know, uh, close to twice as long as this was. And I think you will be less like you know, chomping at the bit if we read the three chapters. How does that sound? I think that sounds good. I, I, you know, unless we discover that there is like a serious fault with the pacing or something like I turned out to like regain my energy for this book five minutes into the conversation about it. So like the fact that I, you know, like I, I, I was full steam ahead uh, Wednesday afternoon last week when I finished reading. Right. Um, And then the subsequent five and a half days slowed down my, my, my energy about it, but it came right back up. So maybe that won't be a problem. It was something I was thinking about over the weekend and like, you know what? I'm less hyped about this book than I was. And I was stoked on it four days ago when I was reading it. Um, and yet, gotta be reading on like Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that won't be a problem. Like, cause it turned out not to be for this one. So I guess again, what I'm getting at, I get long, I get even more long winded when I'm tired, apparently. Sorry. So 
what I'm, what I'm getting at is you set the schedule. That sounds great. And if it, if it turns out as we develop over the coming weeks that like, Hey, this actually works better. Well, we can talk about tweaking it, but until then I'm totally just, you take the driver's seat and tell us where we're going and, and how long it'll take to get there. So three, four and five for next week. Exactly. All right. In that case, uh, yeah, thanks for reading this with me, and we'll be back in a week. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Oh, uh, yeah, we got a Patreon that you can support if you go to hpmorepodcast.com, which is where this is hosted. You can subscribe, all that other good stuff. Yeah, uh, I guess, I mean, I, I'm i I'm happy if anyone wants to support the show. I We've I, already got two supporters, man. Are you kidding? I'm not on the no. email list for this, so that's exciting. Well, thank you yeah. both very much. Uh I was going to say I wouldn't support this show until we offered something to people. Um, you son of a bitch. I, you know, you can cut that if you want or you can leave it in. What I'm getting at is, is Enosh, we need to think of uh, of incentives. Did we, was this on or off air? We will do a WandaVision special, uh, like, series. That was on air. Oh, good. So we'll set a threshold for that at some point. And, you know, other other fun things to think of. I like, I like you know, getting getting something out of it. You know, people... I give money to things I, I enjoy without getting stuff out of it. But, you know, if you can get stuff, that's cool, too. So, all right. Well, I I appreciate everyone who uh, supports the show. That's insane and awesome of you. And uh, I don't know. I'm having a great time. I Yeah. Th- this is, you can chat with us on the Discord as well. That's also linked on hpmorepodcast.com. The Discord is where uh, people sometimes go to talk about this. There is a, and there's other Discords as well. There is a spoiler-free channel that I will be... Uh, like mostly lurking in and occasionally talking in. So yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I I'm just leaning back and looking at like what this is like from the passenger seat, not knowing, you know, not being able to see more than 10 feet ahead on the, on the road. This is, this is wild. Uh, okay. I, it, it, it puts a grin on my face that I'm having difficulty articulating. Maybe I'll do a better, better job at next week. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Me too. Thanks again. Uh huh. Thank you. Bye everyone.